Hello and welcome to the MinMax Show, a place about games, friends, and getting better. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by Kyle Hilliard. Hello. Ana Diaz. Hi. And Leo Vader. It's a beautiful day in Gamertown. <laughs> well, it definitely is. Uh, Anna, are you dressed like Luigi in honor of you talking about the <laughs> Mario Brothers last oh. week? Uh, yeah, that's, you know what? That's exactly, I woke up this morning and I was like, oh, it's, it's a beautiful day. <laughs> um, that was my Luigi accent. <laughs> I see. Unbelievable. I don't think you needed to clarify yeah. that. I mean, I knew exactly what was going on. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure that the us after every word came through clearly enough. So I had to explain it after I did it. Yeah, no, it was helpful it. for me. So that it made it funnier. <laughs> it's Perfect, Anna. Uh, Kyle, do you realize what a special day this is? Uh, no, it's a Wednesday. Uh, it's Big Battletoads week. No, um, that's coming on Friday. We haven't played it yet, but I'm very curious how the thing is. Um, but it's a special day because this is the first time Anna and Leo have been on any Midnax content together. Wow. Oh. Besides those exclusive $50 videos. Yeah, the thank you videos. I guess we recorded those, and those are very fun. <laughs> but those barely count. Those are for, you know, one single person who's just delighted by them because they're very entertaining but this is this is the real deal um let's see what do you two think you have in common green shirt green shirt very smart <laughs> shirt. a love of luigi curly um, hair yeah um i jumped out of my window a couple days ago <laughs> yeah <laughs> uncanny reference to leo's watch later uh latest <laughs> video uh, Leo, you have a new watch later coming up this week? Yes, that's right. To, available tomorrow at the time of this podcast or today if you're a $5 patron or above. And what's the topic this time around? It is on Sam Fisher in Rainbow Six Siege. And if it's a, this, putting him in Rainbow Six Siege makes it a satisfying Splinter Cell game, the so, answer may shock you. <laughs> so, like, Number you got five to, will blow you away. You got to play it, and you were kind of role-playing it as Sam Fisher then? Is that the gist? Yeah, as much as I could. Yeah, and it's kind of an exploration of the Sam Fisher crossovers as well, and just everything the fans of that series have had to go through these past few years. It's been a, a stressful time. But yeah, it's fun, because you were actually editing it today as we were recording this, and folks at the Backstage Pass could watch you edit. Is that surreal or what has that experience been like to have an audience watching you edit it's quickly become my favorite part of the process mm -hmm. it's like really enjoyable and it keeps me on task more than i would have thought just like having people watching yeah. and they submit fun ideas you'll see in this video that they suggested having the goggle noise Splinter Cell goggle noise yeah. peppered throughout the video at many, many key moments. And we did a goggle pass together where everybody in the chat was like, okay, well, you definitely got to put it there. And uh, as a result, the <laughs> goggled sound effects in that video like 10 times. <laughs> Perfect. That makes it even more watchable. That's cool. It's on Max's YouTube channel. Uh, Hold on, also, Leo. Can you, can you do it real quick just with your mouth? <clears throat> did it wow. get cut off by Discord? It got yeah. cut off. I mean, yeah, Discord's distorting it, but it sounds perfect, dude. Yeah, I and you can see my eyes light up green. I didn't say hit play on your <laughs> desktop. <laughs> but anyways, also on the YouTube channel, we have uh, The Deepest Dive on Halo Combat Evolved. We have now finished the campaign in two huge discussions with the community, our huge community field game club discussion. I'd argue, Kyle, it's the best, most thorough discussion about Halo 1 on the internet. Uh, it is very fun to have hundreds of people play along that game with us and then submit comments on Patreon. We walk through it all, and uh, I'm very very glad that i finally finished halo one it feels really good to check that one off the list after 20 years 
Had you finished any of them? Or just always no. just dabbled in multiplayer? No, it's the weirdest thing. Yeah, I've played a ton of Halo 1 multiplayer back in high school uh, and even early college, uh, but had never finished the campaign. And so next week, we're going to have a bonus discussion all about Halo 1's multiplayer. Um, so we're going to be streaming it on Thursday. You can follow us on Twitch. Our Twitch channel is MinMax Show. Uh, we're going to be streaming us playing and then maybe even play with the community because there's a community game night coming up as well. Uh, so we'll have that discussion going live next week. Um, let's see other news things to check off the list here real quick. Um, everybody knows that fandoms coming in hot this weekend. People are chanting in the streets for more fandom. Uh, the big DC convention things happening. And so on, uh, was it Friday? I think it's Friday. They're going to reveal more details on Warner brothers, Montreal's Batman game, uh, which they have been hinting a lot about saying that it's, Court of Owls adjacent to the point that Kyle and I actually read uh, Court of Owls and had a max spoilers up on our YouTube channel all about that. So once they announce it, and it is connected to Court of Owls, that Batman story, and you want to learn what the hell that story was about, you can find that old max spoilers discussion for even more discussion about that thing. Uh, but that was a great read. I recommend reading that, by the way, even if you're like, you know, not super into comic books. I, I read the cream of the crop comic books is how I like to convey it to myself, and I'm so glad I went out of my way to read, read that one. It was really fun. Um, Agreed. Thank you, Kyle. Uh, right before we were recording, Kyle, there was a hot rumor hitting that really tickled your fancy. Do you want to relay what this thing is? Yeah. So a, I'm guessing this is what you're talking about. Let's see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a Guatemalan retail site posted uh, a pair of SKUs for Prince of Persia remake, one for PlayStation 4, one for Switch, which is like, okay, that's cool. That kind of stuff pops up all the time. But there's a lot of little things that lend it credibility, like the art that's connected to the skew. I, I did like a, a reverse search for it. I couldn't find any. I couldn't find it anywhere. But a lot of people think maybe it's concept art for like an older Prince of Persia game. But the other thing is, Bloomberg's Jason Schreier shared the Resetera thread about the listing and was like, "Well, another uh, surprise ruined for Ubisoft." Which, like when Schreier tweets about it, that's kind of one of the. It lends it like a huge amount of credibility. So it seems like a game called Prince of Persia Remake is coming out this November, like this year. I am so confused about that. Yeah, does that mean it's going... <laughs> uh, does that mean it's going to be a Sands of Time remake or a full remake of the original as Prince of Persia? So my read was Sands of Time. Like, but it doesn't I, say it that anywhere. It doesn't. I don't, and then like maybe that's just me getting ahead of myself and wanting a Sands of Time remake. But like... I guess it could be a remake of the original, which they've done before. Like, there's multiple versions of that game, and the most recent was, like, an Xbox 360 version of the game that used the assets from Sands of Time that you could play on Xbox Live Arcade. Wait, really? I had no idea yeah. it existed. That's cool. I, that. I played that. Yeah. So, and also, just, I, I don't want that. Like, I mean, not, yeah. like, I, that's, I don't even know if I would play that if they announced that, honestly. But, like, if it's Sands of Time, like, I'm 150% on board and will absolutely play it. I'll be more excited about that than Assassin's Creed Valhalla. What, uh, so they remastered Sands of Time, right? Did they do the whole trilogy? On PlayStation 3, yeah, it was the whole trilogy. And you could play it in stereoscopic 3D. And it wasn't a very good port. <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah. So, and people don't even like, know that exists because it was just PlayStation. It, it was a weird thing because there were so many HD collections coming out at that time that that one just like weirdly flew under the radar. And just like, I, pl I played Sands of Time on there and it just like, it just seemed. I, I like I, I don't like using the word lazy because it's never it's 
like games being underwhelming never comes from a place of laziness. I don't think I think it's like fair to make that assumption, but like it just felt unfinished and incomplete and like not a lot of care was taken to it. It just seemed like they kind of upresed it and called it today. It has a lot of audio issues and stuff like that. So do you think this could be just another version of that where they just silo out Sands of Time and then release that on Switch? Because I think people would be excited just about that. Yeah, I would I would be very you know, happy to have just like a nice high definition version of Sands of Time on Switch or PlayStation 4. Um, but yeah, I mean, my hope, I was, I was thinking about it because I was like, okay, love Sands of Time. Do I want the Final Fantasy VII remake treatment on that game where they re-examine it and like go overboard and, and maybe keep the, the, the big beats of the story that work? Because I think that story is one of the strong points of that game and like was innovative for, his time, for its time. And, prob- and I... I think it holds up. It's tough to say without having played it recently, but like, I think it, it holds up. And um, like, so I think like that, w- like the final fantasy seven remake treatment would be cool. Mm-hmm. And like, they could, you know, make the combat a little more interesting. Cause the combat's kind of like shallow um, when you, when you play it. But I think if, if I had the choice, if they presented it, it to me as like, what do you want from this? I think I would want like the crash bandicoot Spyro approach where it's like, mostly unchanged except for the visuals new character models new environments but otherwise the gameplay is pretty much identical or even something that we're very connected to of even the halo comet evolved anniversary thing of just like putting a new skin over the basic animation still there yeah because the animation that game is great yeah like that that was one of the, the big things about that game when it first came out is like how smooth and like good the animation was and so like in, in terms of what I want, I think I want that. But, like, I could be getting way ahead of myself here. Like, it might be much smaller than that. It might just be, like, an HD port. Like, you can play Prince of Persia Sands, on time, Sands of Time on your Xbox One right now because it's, like, a backwards-compatible game. You can put your Xbox disc in there, or you can buy it. It was, like, four bucks the other day, so I bought it. So I have it on my hard drive. This just might be a way to make that game available on PlayStation 4 and Switch because it yeah. is playable on Xbox One. Well... Either way, we'll find out sometime soon. I mean, Ubisoft promised at their last Ubisoft Forward, which was their E3 equivalent stream, there's going to be another one happening this year. So maybe it'll be there. Some people speculate that it might be in that big Nintendo Direct, which uh, it's past the middle of August and we are still waiting on like the big Nintendo Direct because if all those rumors are believed and it seems like everybody said, yes, this is 100% true, is like that big batch of Mario games, the Mario All-Stars 2 bundle... It's getting crazy that they're still silent about that. Well, have I have we talked about like direct like predictions? Like, because it's not like Nintendo ever promised they were going to do a direct. Like, right. to me, yeah. I think I think their approach will be, you know, like release a Paper Mario trailer. Paper Mario comes out, it sells really well. Release a Pikmin trailer. Pikmin comes out, it sells really well. I think they're just going one at a time. Like, I don't think the pressure of E3 means that they've. Like, I think it's given them permission to not have to dump a bunch of news all at once. I think they would rather be able to focus on individual games, and they're taking advantage of that. But, I mean... Makes sense. It makes sense, but... uh, Contraire, Leo. Um, But, I mean, outside of E3 anyway, they would still do the Nintendo Direct. Clearly, they like that formula. It's not like E3 is now completely shaking them, and they have to come up with a new strategy overall. Yeah, I mean, and to be clear, like, I, I love Directs. I would love a big bombshell Direct with a million things, but I think... I think Paper Mario just maybe showed them that they don't need to just have Paper Mario be an announcement as part of a larger thing. And if like if you single it out, you're fine. Plus, they don't ever have to worry about anything because Animal Crossing is 
selling. <laughs> they could just delay everything into forever. And I like that fine. message. I hope at some point Miyamoto just went to the mailbox and there's a message that just said, you don't have to worry about anything ever because Animal Crossing. <laughs> just uh. just stay safe during this pandemic. We'll get the, our games out at some point. <laughs> Animal Crossing has us covered. We're good. Yeah. Anna, if you had to guess, do you think we will wake up some morning and there will be a tweet from the Nintendo account saying Super Mario All-Stars 2 is coming this fall or will it be a direct? Um, I think we're going to get a direct unless like this new Paper Mario is like signaling in a complete change in strategy and how they market things yeah. like maybe it, maybe it has shown them that they don't need directs anymore. Um, but like I feel like the directs are such a treasured aspect of like Nintendo fandom and right. it is like really good social media buzz um, and like the excitement around the indie showcase also I think like concretize that so my bet is that we'll still get a direct but I am a little you know I don't know maybe they'll have something to sort of build excitement just before the holiday season yeah yeah it it is a fun part of Nintendo fandom at this point just the hype around the direct and I feel like companies in general have been smarter throughout this season even you know based off Microsoft's blunders early on about just trying to clarify the messages of what to expect in this Mm -hmm. you know so if they did have a direct coming up I'd imagine some very strong language about don't expect the world we're going to have some minor announcements you know because even Mm -hmm. they had that blunder earlier where they had the Mm -hmm. new way forward game and then it's Uh, effing Bakugan but man (laughs) if they say nothing then that's like it's off to the races at that point because everyone's just going to be like oh they don't have any asterisks on this one maybe (laughs) but maybe that's it I mean okay so if they have that Super Mario All-Stars 2 which you know I think what people said that maybe internally it was called that, I'm sure it'll have some a different name, if this thing even exists. But they did yeah. tweet that picture of Mario on the beach or whatever that looked very sunshiny. So Don't, people... I think people are reading into the beach Mario picture too much. Um, <laughs> Folk, okay. I think that Nintendo just likes giving us things every now and then. Like, that image is literally a bone for us. They're like, here's <laughs> Mario with no nipples. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> and we it's can't like, enjoy like it. We need those nips. <laughs> Konami just tweeted out the Silent Hill siren like just an audio file of the siren and everyone was like, Oh, what, what's happening? New silent Hill. And they had to have a follow-up tweet that was like, look, look, we just, people are playing dead by daylight with pyramid head. And we just wanted to share the siren. We're we sorry for fun. acknowledging our brand on our brand account. Please <laughs> yeah. back down fans back down. But I don't know. I mean, if there are so many rumors about a sunshine remaster coming this year in that big bundle and they tweet Mario on a beach. I mean, that's on them at that point. If it's completely disconnected. But they also thought Bakugan was going to be this huge thing. <laughs> like, I don't even know <laughs> if they know what they have. Like, I, I felt for them on that Bakugan thing because we all yeah, like Way I Forward. Know. You know, they want to convey that, oh, there's some news from Way Forward. And so it's fun to slip in there and you would not expect that just if you just push that boulder a little bit, it'll eventually become an avalanche. Is that the metaphor? I'm not sure. Something like that. Uh, so it's a little bit on that. It reminds me of like, remember years ago when... <laughs> Blizzard just tweeted out a picture of a Diablo light switch and everybody lost their mind like Diablo's coming to switch and then Diablo did come to switch but the part that I can't wrap my mind around is Blizzard insisted that that was just a coincidence that it was just a Diablo light switch like three months before Diablo came out on switch or whatever the hell and they just thought it was a cool looking Diablo light switch that was in their store so they decided to tweet it out which seems impossible they, they, they hadn't thought do to do that. it on switch until they saw the comments <laughs> 
Yeah, they saw the comment. It showed the enthusiasm. And they quickly ported it in a very short period of time. Done and done. Yeah. Um, but this Indie World Showcase, we should uh, run down some highlights. Kyle, you and I streamed reactions. So if you want to watch the full thing, it's on our YouTube channel. Um, yes, watch the full thing like me. That's right, Kyle. Uh, Anna, what popped out to you for the, from the Indie World Showcase thing? Um, I mean, so I obviously like the first announcement, Hades coming to Switch, like huge, huge W for the Switch. I feel like so much of like indies on Switch are just like, you see these games and you're like, wow, that'd be great on Switch. Like, um, what was it? Undermine, right? Right. And so like they can, you can actually build like a lot of hype around that. So, um, yeah, yeah, Hades coming to Switch. And they um, said system first. Which, interesting, they didn't say, like, console launch exclusive or something, but System First Hades on Switch in the fall of 2020. This is the super giant yeah. game we've talked about. Yeah. The, the roguelite seems very, very, very solid. Just, we had a great yeah. goatee hunt uh, showing it off earlier in the year as well. It seems fantastic. Yeah. Um, and so, that really stood out. I um, Another interesting game that's like was released already on the Apple App Store was... Takeshi and Hiroshi, um, which looks like a very endearing, charming story of two brothers. Um, and I downloaded it yesterday, um, played through the first chapter. That was great. Um, so again, like re it's, it's interesting to see these games, like find new life on the switch. Um, and then the last one, I know this is like, I haven't even gotten to original titles yet, but, um, a short hike is coming to switch, which is like the, I feel like the perfect switch game. Um, and it has a boat now. Um, oh, really? I missed that detail. Yeah. Well, it's just like a little thing that the creator added to just like put a little extra nugget of fun. So there's a speedboat in it now. So you can like zoom around the lake. Um, That's awesome. And so this is the game from last year that was mm-hmm. on a lot of our top 10 lists. I think it was on yeah. somewhere on the list of MinMax uh, 210's list for the official top 20 games of the year last year. Um, but it's the... Uh, the best way to describe it is kind of an Animal Crossing vibe combined with the exploration of Breath of the Wild, but also yeah. like a two-hour adventure experience where you're just trying to get to the top of a mountain to get cell service. But along the way, you're exploring, you're upgrading your climbing abilities, your flying abilities, stuff like that. Uh, just a very, very pleasant short experience. Yeah. Um, and then as far as like new titles that are coming out, I mean... Um, I, there's the Spirit Fair, right? I'm just like going through. Yeah, my notes so Spirit now. Fair, it's out now. We can talk yeah. more about that in a bit. I've been playing mm-hmm. uh, a, a lot of it there. Yeah, but then also then there's the Goose announcement, which people <laughs> always love, and I think that's something like watching that made me realize like how much I miss the Nintendo events because like they are so like thoughtful and like like cute in their presentation. So you know, like at the end, it was like you just hear the honking and the hosts are like, "Oh no, what's going on?" Um, and it was announcement for. Uh, a second goose in the Untitled Goose game, um, a couch co-op mode. Um, yeah. So I feel like those were like some of the big things that I saw folks getting excited about. Yeah, and that's like September 23rd, I think, that, that co-op mm-hmm. uh, edition to Untitled Goose games coming out. Um, Free as well. What's that, Kyle? Yeah. Free. Yeah, that's awesome. What a weird success story Untitled Goose Game is. It's like where they can just afford, like, oh, here's a free update, and people will eat it up. It seems great. Um, and honestly, like, I didn't finish that game, and seeing that I was like, oh, that might be the kick in the pants. I need to actually go back and, and play through that entire thing with a friend. Uh, Kyle, you missed it during our stream at the very tail end, but uh, did you see that Grindstone is coming to Switch, your favorite Apple Arcade game? Yeah, which is interesting because it's like I loved that game. I played it and beat it, and I was my 
sort of reaction was like, oh, you know, I've played it. I don't know if I want to play it again necessarily. But then it occurred to me, I was like, oh, yeah, if I want to play Grindstone again, I have to re-up Apple Arcade on my phone. Mm. Like, I have to be a subscriber to play Grindstone on iPhone. This will be the only way to just all out just buy the game straight up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I can't spend five bucks on it on, the, on my phone. So this might be just, like, my preferred way of playing it. I'm curious how it's going to work with a controller. Like, I would like to play with a controller. I'd, I'd I don't want to have to use the Switch touchscreen, so I'm curious to see if how that's if that's implemented and how that's implemented. Or maybe it's like a Joy-Con, like you point at the screen type thing. Uh, maybe. I mean, it's it's built. I mean, it, you could just have a cursor going over, you know, the icons. There's no the, like speed is not a big advantage in that game. Like you can every turn you take is like at your own discretion. So it's okay if it's like you know doesn't have to be super. Uh, specific you know. yeah and so grindstone was uh the match 3s game from cappy but i do love this migration of games being designed not for microtransactions but just pure good game design in the apple arcade ecosystem which yeah maybe it's succeeding but no one on planet earth has talked about apple arcade for four months now at least and now it's getting to a point where those solid games free of bs are now being ported to the switch it's like, this seems like a great thing now we get to find games like you mentioned on like Takeshi and Hiroshi where it's like you're designing an RPG for your brother in the game and it's like oh this seems like a cute game that seemingly came out of nowhere even though it was on Apple Arcade a while ago and just nobody that we know mentioned it yeah and I sort of wonder if you know we're gonna see a decline of Apple Arcade I mean it's probably on the decline and maybe that's why things are loosening up and folks are getting their games onto like new platforms but um, and consoles, but I'm kind of curious to see if this will be a, a Apple Arcade killer. <laughs> just um, the Switch ports eventually, because everyone will just go in with that mentality of like, well, why subscribe? I can wait a couple months yeah. and we'll be on a better yeah. platform. Yeah. Uh, Leo, did you see a game called Card Shark? Uh, no. It was in that Nintendo Indie World Showcase showed off. It's from the developer of Reigns, uh, that kind of card-based storytelling game. They made the Game of Thrones uh, version of it as well. But Card Shark is a new game from all I know. It's the first time I've seen it. And it seems so awesome. It's all about cheating at cards. And it takes place in 18th century France. Uh, But it feels like a more, uh, like a poker night at the inventory, but an emphasis on just being a trickster and trying not to get caught. It seems just like this weird yeah. card-based adventure experience, social dynamics. Like it seems, it seems like awesome. Like mini games for pulling cards out of your your um, shirt or something like that. So yeah. like if you fail and like if you fail the game, like you could get shot by like an angry poker player, poke, poker player, <laughs> you know? But if you're what? successful, like you can cheat your way. It, it seems really interesting, yeah. Yeah, and, and the presentation just is awesome. Like I've never seen a game that looks like that. Uh, so Card Shark coming out in 2021 is probably the highlight from that entire thing for me in terms of new stuff. But they showed Spirit Fair, um, which has been out and, you know, talked about for a while. It is now out on Switch and PC. It is everywhere it's on game pass it's on the epic store it's on steam like it is a hell of a launch for that team um stadia as well i think is that right i could be wrong about that but maybe oh wow so this is from a team called thunder lotus games uh they made a game called jotun back in 2015 all about norse mythology in the afterlife uh and then sundered back in 2017 if anybody remembers sundered uh but really great art style kind of a hand-drawn look Kyle, you've been playing Spirit Fair as well? Yeah, which is funny because like 
on paper it's not really my kind of game because it's like there's a, there's a lot of simness to it where you're and you're like building a town and like collecting materials and like you have to like cook you know and stuff Get like to. that yeah yeah but like the animation is so good that i was and it and it's a totally great platformer like it feels like a really great platformer and like mm. That th- those the platforming and animation elements are are making me just like want to just really get into it more. Even though like it's not my typical genre. Like I've I've played about an hour. I, I really like it. Like I want to keep going with it. You say it's not your genre, Kyle, but it's a game where it's literally you must build a boat. That is the game yeah, is okay. building up your boat. Yeah, but like the thing is, like the core mechanic of you must build a boat is a match three puzzle game, and then I you see. just get it. You don't have to design anything. It's just like. You just watch something grow as you're playing a match three. But yeah. this is like you are managing materials and you're also managing like different people and figuring out what they need and you need to feed them, which is like not usually my thing. Like I just want to be focused on myself because I'm a very narcissistic person. Uh-huh. But like I, you can go up to like an anal- an anthropomorphic like antelope and like give them a, a hug and the animation is so good that it just makes you cry. Like it's, I it's got really emotional crazy. playing this game last <laughs> night, Kyle. Yes. It feels like, oh, it's a soft indie game. Okay, you're on a boat. Uh, something in the afterlife you're hugging people's type of game where you can pet your cat repeatedly and sit on a couch and look at the stars but then on top of that there's so many layers of progression and it's a very systems heavy game you know it's like okay you're building these things you're looking at what the different people that you're bringing onto your boat like don't like uh they want to be fed food but they all have the particular taste in food it's like this beautiful fusion of indie cutesy huggy feel good game <laughs> combined with yeah but there's actually a lot of depth here too and it is yeah. perfect Kyle. an animation that would make disney like raise an eyebrow it like, would make incredible. disney's skeleton raise one of his spooky <laughs> eyebrows there's no doubt about it uh his, his eyebrows would raise up through the ground and be like oh what is he this? would come up and then he'd do the skeleton dance from uh merry melodies i think yes of course uh wow. i Love this game, Kyle. <laughs> Leo's soft. Wow. <laughs> uh, I feel like something I should check out. <laughs> uh, yeah, Leo. They describe Spirit Fair as on their site. It's the most beautiful description, and it just nails it. Uh, Spirit Fair is quote a cozy management game about dying. And it's like yes, that is perfect. I don't know how much they had to workshop that, but it's the perfect distillation of what this game is. All from a side perspective, as you're building up your boat, bringing new spirits on. It feels. Uh, pretty Studio Ghibli feels a little bit spirited away if you like those vibes. She has a cat, so obviously young female you protagonist with a cat. cat. You can't. The animation on petting the cat is stunning. Of course, it's beautiful. Yeah, uh, it's just also there's a little bit of Wind Waker vibes. Where you're like setting sail to different islands to explore, and then as you're sailing from one island to the next, it's like, well, I can go sit on my boat, go cook some food for my friends, or I can just go off the back and just fish and catch new stuff. You say, you know, the, you're not a fan of all the ingredients in there, Kyle. It is a scary thing where every ingredient for this game is perfect. Oh, there's also uh, farming and raising crops on your boat. You can then be taught new songs to play to your crops to make them grow faster. Uh, if I had to guess, it is the perfect distillation of the four of our tastes just melted into <laughs> one game. Which part's me? Um, the simi aspects. Okay. Don't you like that I'm stuff? A That's right. <laughs> Uh, do you, have you seen anything of this game, Leo? Do you think you'd ever check it out? No, I, it sounds very appealing. Yeah, but I haven't heard of it until right now. Okay, look up a quick video. I, I'm curious if you'll like it. If you know, 
I know you're a bit of a hardcore gamer, but I think just the idea of building up this boat, I think <laughs> I think it'll tickle your fancies. Yeah. Um, yeah, Leo loves just murder and violence. He's not going to get into a game about heartfelt hugs. <laughs> well, now <laughs> it's for it Leo. Just, it sounds so lovely, though. Like, I'll have to check it, it, it out yeah. because it was one of those things where I saw so many people be like, okay, I'm downloading, like, three games now, um, like, immediately after the Direct. And so I'll have to hop into that and try I've heard it. there's... There's a in my light research I've done here. There's co-op where your your partner plays as the cat. What? Really? What? <laughs> oh no! I had no yeah. idea that was Whoa. an option. That's Join amazing. Adventure in Zappadil the cat and two-player cooperative play. I'm wondering if this would be a great game to play with my sweetie. It just might be. <laughs> By that you mean your cat, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, perfect. Uh, yeah, I mean Spirit Fair. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am just loving this game. It's been such a strong last month for indie games. You know, falling in love with Littlewood and Undermine, now Spirit Fair. It's like, oh, this is perfect. This is exactly what I wanted for the dog days of August, sitting inside and playing a, a cute sim game like Spirit Fair that actually has some some real depth to it. I'm curious to see how long it is. Uh, it's some of like my favorite characters so far. It who can argue against like a shark who's making dumb jokes as he's upgrading your boat for you. Like, they're all just different animals. I just had I a... that's basically what Leo is on the show. Wait a minute. Wow. That's what we all like, <laughs> Leo? <laughs> <laughs> that makes total just sense, engaged. man. Shark costume. <laughs> uh, there's, like, um, I had a snake join my ship, and she's, like, wearing, like, this trench coat, but still trying to hold up as a snake. It's just... It's a delight, Kyle. I hope you keep playing it, too. Yeah, no, I will. I might. It's funny because the Game Pass is almost now because I like playing games on Switch so much. It's almost become like a demo machine of like it's like, well, I'm a Game Pass subscriber. Oh, let me play the first hour of Spiritfarer. Okay, now I'll go buy this on Switch. <laughs> it's just like a weird way to approach it, but yeah, I guess you know for that first month at least for like the one dollar buying for the first month, like that seems like a really good way to go. Uh, so that is Spiritfarer. Check it out if you like those descriptions. Um, Leo. Me? Yes. Uh, Tony Hawk. Doesn't ring a bell. Oh, okay. Moving on. Uh, Kyle, do you want to no. uh, The remake of Tony Hawk 1 and 2, uh, the demo, the Chipotle-infused demo has been trickling out there. Uh, we both got a copy after it was a real Willy Wonka-esque race where we both had to eat hundreds of burritos just to try and find <laughs> these codes. But yeah. We did it. Um, so we got to play... The demo, which is just two minutes in the warehouse. Uh, as a huge Tony Hawk fan, I'm curious what you think about how it feels so far, Leo. I think it feels great. It feels obviously 99% like the old games, but the biggest change, I think, is the way bailing works. Yeah. And how you kind of, you'll hit the ground and you'll slide forward and then you'll, there's this little glitch animation where you pop back up and are skateboarding again. And it keeps you, it obviously slows you down a lot, but it keeps you going in the same direction and you don't lose all of your momentum. And it makes it feel so much less frustrating when you fall and so much more like you can get back in the rhythm really quickly and easily. And even if you're like trying to get to a specific part of the park or whatever, you're still making your way there. Like it really has a big impact on how it feels in a really good way for me. Yeah, it's probably a good sign for the remake overall that at this point it's like, well, the biggest difference is the bailing feels different. But everything else feels pretty good, pretty tight, like that original game at least. Uh, and yeah, yeah. When, you, when you bail now... You know, people complain you don't get to see the ragdolling around, but I think it's fine. But it makes like a little quick rewind, rewind sound, and then like the character just teleports up, like glitches back up, and then the audio gets tinny for a little bit. 
Uh, maybe you can turn that off somewhere in the settings because you don't want anything ruining your jams. <laughs> That's true. That's right, Hanson. Thank you, Leo. That's exactly <laughs> what I was looking for. Um, but I yeah. also think it's interesting you're getting experience points at the end of your runs. There, I don't think there's anything you can do with them in the demo, but you're getting oh. XP points based on how good you do. Yeah, and it seems like there's you're more... Not a- yeah, and there's more progression in there and stuff. Uh, now, you're a big fan of, like, Tony Hawk Underground. Is that still your favorite out of the series? Tony Hawk's American Wasteland is my I'm favorite. I'm sorry. Okay, Blake Hester was a Tony Hawk Underground guy? He was. God rest him. Okay, and you guys have different opinions. We do have different opinions. Perfect. Uh, but you like the older stuff, too? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, shoot. I played them all as a, as a little lad. That's amazing. Yeah. Which is why next week we are going to kick off the celebration of Tony Hawk. Uh, Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk. We did it uh, a while ago for Final Fantasy VII, just had a bunch of bundled content around celebrating Final Fantasy VII. And so next week at MinMax, we're going to be celebrating Tony Hawk with uh, a bunch of things, primarily on MinMax's Twitch channel. So you can follow us there. It's MinMax Show. Um, Leo, we're going to be joined by uh, the dearly departed Blake Hester, uh, former right. former intern, friend of the show. He was on the podcast a while ago talking about the remake here when it was announced. And you and him are going to rank the entire series. That's right. We're going to rank the entire series. And we know that one and two are going to be Tony Hawk's American Wasteland and Tony Hawk's Underground, which sorry in advance for that. <laughs> but we have uh, trivia prepared for each other to see which one of us knows our favorite game the best. And the one who gets the most trivia questions right That'll be the number one game on the list. Perfect. And but the, most of the stream will be sussing out the order of all the rest of them. And people can including argue with like the, the Twitch Game show. Boy ones and everything. Wait, including the what? The Game Boy ones. Oh my god. Downhill uh, Jam for Wii. <laughs> the Game Boy Advance version of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 is like up there in terms of my most played Tony Hawk games, weirdly. It was a solid it was like game. A G- it was a GBA launch title, I think. I could be wrong about that, but it was like it was what I had for my GBA and it was like mind blowing. Yeah. 2.5D. Yeah. Oh, sweet. And it's that weird thing where it was Vicarious Visions that developed those ports and then they're doing the remake now. So it comes full circle. Mm. Um, but then also we'll be streaming uh, the demo of the new game. Also going to go back to Tony Hawk 2 to compare that directly with how it feels against the new game. Uh, I bought a physical copy of Tony Hawk 5, uh, which is not sold anywhere online, but I found it in a store and I said, yes, I would like to check out what that disaster was like because it's going to be interesting to go back and look at that thing now. Also, we have uh, the episode of Mintracks, our music podcast, Gentle and Music Podcast next week is going to be focused on the soundtracks of Tony Hawk. Um, also, Leo, the great goatee hunt next week will be a vote. It always is up to the $10 supporters on Patreon to vote. And uh, for next week, they get to choose between... Skate... Or die. <laughs> Whatever that means, you can find out by voting, and you can choose if we skate and check out a bunch of skateboarding games like Skater XL and Skatebird, or die. You know, we've been hearing it for years, and finally we're putting it in your hands to choose which path <laughs> you would actually like. Uh, so again, you can follow us on Twitch, uh, MinMax Show, and uh, stay tuned for a lot of fun Tony Hawk content coming up next week. Kyle Hilliard? Yeah. Uh, I thought of you with this announcement because it was very strange. Earlier this week, Sony and Sucker Punch uh, swung out of the blue and announced a multiplayer addition to Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, and then Untitled Goose Game was like, hmm, that's a good idea. Free <laughs> done update and done. Multiplayer co-op, yeah. Uh, what uh, is yeah, this? It was surprising. It's weird. Unexpected. Sucker Punch doesn't really do multiplayer. 
Really? I mean, yeah, not in I, a big way. I think what in the history books, it's what Sly Three had local multiplayer, and that was pretty much it. Yeah, and even that I think was just like you know, Sly. The later Slys got filled more and more with like weird mini games. So I think it was just a handful of like mini games that you could do with another player. I could be wrong about that, but yeah. okay. But yeah, so free edition. It is a four-player co-op experience. Seems like wave-based, taking on challenges. And then yeah. the crazy thing is they say in that PlayStation blog that down the road at some point, they're going to be unlocking raids. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what is this world where Ghost of Tsushima now will have raids? Every game has raids. I guess you're right. Okay. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it seems like they're putting a lot of weight behind it. Like they have like a big plan for it. It's like, these are the two player modes. These, the, it's going to have a different art style. It's going to be more focused on like the fantastical sort of elements of Ghost of Tsushima, which yeah. were very limited. There was maybe like one duel, I think, that really leaned into that heavily. But outside of that, it was all very grounded. Uh, Only one duel with a ghost? <laughs> <laughs> ghost of Tsushima? <laughs> I'll tell you, that's, that was there to say. It's a weird choice. Hey, you gotta do it. Um, but I love it. It's gonna be such a weird anomaly for the end of this generation about just... I feel like years from now, we're going to look back and be like, remember that weird multiplayer version of Ghost of Tsushima that they released for free? Um, yeah. But it's fun, and it's maybe paving the way for Sony doing this type of stuff more often with, like, The Last of Us Part Two. If they do eventually release that multiplayer, I can't imagine that would be a free edition. It seemed like that blog post they were hinting is going to be a more blown-out version. In my mind, probably bundled with, like, a remastered version for PS5. Yeah, I think that's a fair assumption. Bet. Yeah. Uh, Leo, how much do you think about Last of Us Part II's multiplayer? Because I know you're a big fan of the first one. Yeah, I think about it a lot. Okay. Honestly, though, I might expect it to be a free standalone thing from the way they've talked about it. Because that first game's multiplayer had plenty of uh, stuff you could choose to buy and give them money for, as far as cosmetics and even weapon types. Although I think uh, people are, would not feel positively about that now. But I'm excited for that. I think that the Last of Us one, like that, made me appreciate the gameplay a lot more. Doing it against other people who are also doing it, and like making tactical decisions that you don't necessarily have to make. You don't have to outthink your enemies in the same way in a single player. Right, right. So I'd be excited to try that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also, exciting things, Leo. You've been playing uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator on the Great Goaty Hunt, at least. And and only on the Great Goaty Hunt, and a little bit before, so I made sure I didn't look like too much of an idiot. So you took like your your pilot's training courses and everything like that. It's a cool game. I, I would I would love to watch people who are good at it play it, but I don't know if it, there's enough there for me to really uh, dig into. Like, obviously, the simulation aspect is incredible, but as far as actual content, it's like you either want to go on the flights or you want to do the few missions that are land in these specific environments, or you're kind of not into it. This is my question, actually, because I downloaded it because everyone was losing their mind. Yeah. IGN gave it a 10. Which gave it a like, 10! Whoa. It's crazy! <laughs> I mean... I, it just surprised me. It's like certainly, you know, I, I don't. It's not that I like didn't believe a game like that could get a ten, but it's just like a sim is such kind of a niche thing or niche thing. But like, my question is, is like, for the kind of games I like, like, are there goals? Like, is there just a checklist of things to do, or is it really just like, look at this Earth we've created, and here are some real world planes? Have look at this it? earth that Microsoft has created. Um, so there is like, you know, the world map where you can just go free fly around because the hook uh just in case you aren't familiar with microsoft flight simulator which is out now on pc and they I say get it from a name. yeah that's right <laughs> uh, but it's out on pc and they say it's coming to xbox at some point but they've been uh, cryptic about it um but 
they took Bing Maps and have modeled the entire world, and you can fly around the entire world. So people are finding their houses. It's so funny, like, going on the Reddit. It's a very fun Reddit to look at right now because all of, like, the old-school Flight Simulator fans are like, this is everything we've ever wanted! Because it's, like, pulling in data for, like, real traffic, real weather. So people are just posting crazy shots of, like, oh, my God, check out Alaska right now. we got to fly by Alaska. There's this crazy storm rolling in off the coast. <laughs> it's just a really fun, weird community. People are looking at, like, the shadows on their house and how it matches the time of day in game versus the real world right outside their window. It's so weird. And then there's weird fun glitches too, where I don't know if you saw this making the rounds, but there's a weird glitch outside of Melbourne, Australia, where, you know, the cities kind of look like that 3d Google maps view at times, a slightly better version of that, but there was some glitch in Australia. So there's just this pillar that's like 500 feet high. It just looks like this black obelisk in the middle of Australia that people have started worshiping now. Uh, <laughs> people have invaded Epstein's Island. People are landing there in multiplayer to go explore it. It's a weird world right now. Thank you to Microsoft for showing it to us. Yeah, but is yeah. It, do I, what do I do? I get like RPG points for like landing in six airports. Like the weird like, thing, Kyle. The only mission is to go to Epstein's Island. I don't know <laughs> what they're thinking. Is this uh, just game an advertisement for Bing Earth? Is that all this is? <laughs> Very sophisticated product placement. <laughs> I didn't know Bing Maps was a thing until this game came out. Yeah. Um, is it uh, hard no, to play? They have super simplified it if you okay. want it to be. like, There's a million uh, difficulty options as far as whether the controls are simple or you want the controls to be hard, but you still want tooltips that'll walk you through every step of it, that's all very customizable. And I threw it on very, 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 very easy and just played it on a controller and could take off first try. Yeah, but then it's break. still fun to jump into like <laughs> cockpit view and you can still fiddle with all the knobs. You can just, it's very satisfying to like, okay, and now I'm in here and I will just click on everything and see what the plane does. <laughs> and it's always interesting. Um, it, the reviews right now on Steam are mixed. Um, there was one review that said the airplane sounded super realistic. Then I realized it was my PC. Uh, <laughs> this thing is big. And so the, it's mixed on steam because the installation sucks. You have to go within the game and install it there. Uh, so everybody is complaining about like, well, now it looks like I've played this game for like six hours, but I've just been trying to install it. And I've been trying to install it on the uh, studio computer and I can't get it to work. And on my upstairs computer, it is running like, garbage even on the lowest settings uh, leo have have you been running it okay it felt like a miracle i was able to stream it for sure it's pretty intensive and loads can take a long time especially if it's not installed on a ssd but mm. yeah i mean sorry it's the whole earth <laughs> <laughs> it's the most open a world can get that is true that is yeah. literally true. it's full world <laughs> <laughs> you see that mountain you can go there that's right and crash into it and you can go to the real world. Um, it's it's cool. I, I want to keep playing it. You know, you, you talk about not being too compelled to keep going with it, Kyle, but just think of it like your beloved Death Stranding, except there's just infinite missions and it's going to be the greatest podcast game of all time. Hmm. And it'll have like a really compelling story that drives me to the end and makes me think about my mortality. I mean, what <laughs> makes you think about your mortality more than being in a plane? I mean, it's the <laughs> ultimate experience, right? It's a real thought experiment. I I downloaded it. I want to play it. I, I was just curious, like, what there is to it outside of just the simulation aspect, which, like, is 
absolutely what that game can just be. It's literally yeah. in the title of the of the game. Like it's called Microsoft Flight Simulator. I was just curious if there is like some incentive to like goals to go after or anything like that. There's just know? the daily challenges or the okay. you know routine challenges. As far as I understand, Leo, I don't know if you understand better of There's dailies. I don't know how long often it rotates. I guess I assumed it was going to be daily, but you know the example that I saw at the Buddhist screen was like, okay, here's a challenge. Land here, hotshot. I think was the name of it. Yeah, <laughs> it's landings or like short little flights from specific locations to other locations is all I've seen for content like that. But even then, like I did one and I, I don't know what I got rewarded for it. I guess you can unlock liveries for planes and things. Mm. But I mean, it, I don't want to underscore how tremendous of an achievement this thing is. But as an actual yeah. game, yeah, maybe it's not quite all there. Yeah. You know what Microsoft should do? Sincerely. And I hope Microsoft is listening just as a corporation. Microsoft Flight Simulator Horizon. Take the formula yeah. from Forza, take this tech, and then just pack in all of that nonsense that Kyle wants. Just here's a bunch of meters going up, here's a Death Stranding cutscene, whatever you want. Just pack that sucker <laughs> just, full. Just wholesale imports a Death Stranding cutscene. Kojima would probably be for it, whatever. Uh, he's into weird stuff. But yeah. I really think there's something there. And I wonder if they've been so quiet on that Xbox front... Is there a universe where with Halo dropping out, they're going to make this a big Xbox Series X launch game? It got a 10 out of 10 from IGN. They have some time. They got the runway. I think it'd be a good move. Be smart. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, not their worst option. What's that, Leo? Not their worst option, yeah. Okay, great. I'd say it's their only option. And you also explain why you're having so much technical problems with it, because that could be another selling point of the Series Mm. X version. Like, yeah. this time it works. <laughs> Just imagine if it was running well. Um, and again, like, you know, you can get Game Pass for PC, try it for one month, and check this game out if you're worried about the specs in your computer and that type of thing. Uh, also, this was going to be... Uh, I get a load of this a while ago, but do you guys know what paragliders are? Yeah. Honestly, like, the, cool. those are the things, right? Like, the... you hang out on them and they fly like they're like kites they're like human kites they're human kites, <laughs> kites that you hang out on yeah exactly yeah. So just... well, that was like the worst description <laughs> the least clear there it's like a giant kite and there's a bar or like a and you hang off it and you're strapped to it there's a bartender um yeah. just kind of <laughs> chill drinking. for a little bit yeah While it's jumping like a, off a cliff yep it's just basically a giant fan that you kind of sort of wear yeah and then a parachute oh, Wait, but there's isn't there one well, that's like oh, a, you're kite thinking and of hang a parachute? Oh, I'm thinking of hang glider. You're yeah, right, this is right. this is the next I generation guess I don't know hang what a paraglider. Is because I was totally on board with Anna. I was like, yeah, that's you're just describing a paraglider. But I guess yeah, I guess maybe I don't. So yeah, they're called paragliders. I've seen them like out in rural Minnesota a couple times, mm-hmm. and it's just like, what is that? That's the coolest thing I've ever seen. Uh, I found some used. And you're just like, oh, you can. I found one for sale for like four thousand bucks. I think actually, a friend of the show, Grant, found it. It said only used once. And so I just love this idea of somebody <laughs> getting one, trying it, and being like, "Fuck this," and then never going back to it again. But they seem so cool. But the get a load of this aspect is there's a YouTube channel uh, from a guy named Tucker Got. Uh, and he feels like a Tucker guy, uh, but he's just this kid who has a lot of GoPros. Uh, and flies around with his paraglider. It is the most compelling YouTube video. If you're into like flight and just kind of that daydream of what it'd be like just to basically be able to fly anywhere. Like he just goes down to Florida and goes, explores islands on his own. 
Tucker Got is the YouTube channel. If you just want some good flight porn, check him out on YouTube, please. Uh, all all of his clothes remain on him at all times, just to be very clear. Um, but hey, anyways, Leo. Yeah, what did that have to do with? Was that a because I, I'm very into like flight. flying and I love okay. flying in planes and like outside of Microsoft Flight Simulator, the most satisfying flight experience I've had this year is watching Tucker Gott's YouTube videos in that paraglider because he like they should, gotcha. okay. they should add that dude to Microsoft Flight Simulator as a plane yeah. like the dude in yeah. Twisted Metal is just standing there on a Segway or whatever <laughs> help me <laughs> he's tortured <laughs> wait <laughs> is there a version of him of Axel as he's standing on a Segway <laughs> I remember it as a kid. Was he not on like a hoverboard? The way the new hoverboard? I feel like they predicted those. Yeah, I think so. It's there's a lot of lore that's complicated. Um, but Leo, uh, have you been playing a lot of Rogue Legacy too? I have. Great. Uh, how is that sucker? It's great. I love the first one. It's a rogue light, so really heavy on the progression as you go into this randomized castle. That's very Metroidy. You've got a. Uh, unlockable abilities that you'll keep with you forever like dashes etc that you keep between runs and very satisfying a lot of traits a lot of fun character configurations you can get and like sometimes there'll be really negative traits like you can only see within a few feet of you like you're nearsighted oh, but you God. get 10% extra gold for everything but it's really satisfying. You only learn how abilities work by playing as that character. So all the time it'll be like, okay, this will be my last run. And then I'll die and I'll see the next three characters and be like, that trait looks compelling, but I have to play as that person to see what it is. So I'll just play one more. Yeah. That is working there for sure. The one w- more run phenomenon. I was surprised by how much they added to it. Um, Cause it's even stuff in the tutorial. Like, wait, what is this? Like going through tubes to like explore around and there's like new moves overall too. Yeah, new classes, ranged attacks now. The gameplay has always been pretty simple, but very uh, satisfying. You're kind of platforming around and almost bullet heli, more just dodging some projectiles and learning each enemy as you do in those kinds of games. Yeah. Dodging so their attack. Does, it earns the two just by like just tons of new wrinkles. Or is it? Is there like? Is there a big mechanical change that like makes it feel like a, like a sequel? Or is it like just more of what you liked about the first one plus a ton of extra new stuff? Honestly, the biggest thing is probably the art style. Oh, like it's okay. kind of last time it was a pixelated two D, still good looking, but a pixelated, and now it's more of like a hidden three D yet kind of a hand drawn look. Mm-hmm. It's a really nice upgrade from the last one but as far as what really makes it different as a sequel it's hard to tell because it's still in early access right now and it doesn't even have the second biome in it yet you'll get to the second Uh, biome and there's a uh like a signpost you can read that says a message from the devs like mixed in with all the other lore messages you're finding or whatever one's just like hey this is actually the team and the second biome is not ready yet sorry (laughs) this is actually us right now we swear yeah we're not this isn't a trick I mean, is it worth buying at this point, though? Do you recommend people to wait if they're a big fan of the first Rogue Legacy? If, if you like the first one, there's no reason not to buy it now. There's like You'll get a few hours of fun out of it, for sure. And it's doesn't have a million upgrades. It definitely feels like early, early access to me. But what I loved about the first one was really not focusing on beating it too fast and really grinding and getting those persistent upgrades up. Because once again, it's a very light roguelite with a lot of progression yeah so it's satisfying to grind that out and know that i will still be powered up for whatever content they add next i think it's still worthwhile to play now if you're into it um leo do you have a beard yeah 
Could you scratch it while I ask this very thought-provoking question? Okay. So it's been seven years since the first Rogue Legacy. What do you think the changes from Rogue Legacy 1 to 2 have taught us about the state of the Rogue genre? (sighs) I think the Rogue Lights are still much more appealing to people. I think they're much more palatable. Rogue Likes, without the progression... They have their audience. I certainly love them. But roguelites, I think, are still the way, if you want to get your game in a lot of people's hands, that's probably where you got to go with it. And especially a light like that, where the levels are designed in a way where you feel like each one is mostly new. Like you're constantly, it's like it may as well be handcrafted in some ways, because you're doing these interesting challenge rooms. Like it's still got those fairy rooms where it's like get across all these obstacles without getting hit once and there's all kinds of unique challenges within each run that make it feel different and i think that's important so just getting softer and upping the variety exactly okay that seems good you know it'd be great and i know you're very Hmm. partial to this yeah really scratch that beard off for this one all right just think about a robo (gasps) robotron roguelite okay think about just taking i think it's called rad (laughs) <laughs> well no not exactly that's yeah. like the weird you're changing mutating and stuff along the way but that's yeah, like a twin stick though you yeah know. I guess that's true I don't know I was just thinking about playing so many arcade games during the summer it's like oh there's something here if you take some of these old arcade games and reinvent them as a roguelite game and just give a little pro- progression to some of those old twitchy arcade games there's some fusion there that'd be cool right I agree alright thanks man um hey Kyle do you want to make it or should I um, I was hoping Anna could. Uh... I uh, um all fucked up. Sorry. Okay. Also, our, all the arcades are closed right now. Oh, uh, that's, that's right. Point. That's right. Yeah, we're getting screwed of, there. You know, COVID. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. That's true. Uh, Kyle, uh, I don't know if I have this game name written down correctly. There's a limbo-like game called Creeks. Yeah, you misspelled it in Slack. So I'm calling you out on it. Oh, how is it spelled? You have uh, two E's. It's E-A. Oh, I see. A I was very thinking. important point to bring up. Okay. Uh, this. <laughs> so this game, a lot of people were screaming at you to play because it feels like a play dead game. Yeah, a little bit. I, I definitely see where folks are coming from. It's from Amanita Design, who I guess, Anna, you're, you're more familiar with their history, I guess, right? Yeah, they, um, let's see here. So they they have interesting origins. They started with like a Flash game called Samaros that was a browser-based. And it was like very collage and it was like a point-and-click kind of puzzler. And then... Was it a um, scary game? No. No? Okay. For some reason no. I always thought it was a, a horror game, but... No. Okay, never mind. It's actually really cute. You like save your dog. Um, oh, so the, the opposite, okay. <laughs> yeah, the opposite. I mean, the, it's kind of spooky. It's very trippy. Um, So maybe that's what you're getting at. Like, it's very like the characters you encounter. You're like, someone was like tripping on acid. Well, they designed this. Um, And um, then after that, they released um, Machinarium. um, Oh, that team. Well before um, Double Find Adventure. Like they were, you know, that was like one of those things about the Kickstarter that everyone was like, oh, adventure games. Like they're coming back. And I feel like Mm -hmm. everyone's like, well, Amanita. Yeah. Machinarium or Machinarium. Like, well, I remember, that's, that's straight on like point and click, you know? I yeah. think even in the first or second episode of the Double Fine Adventure documentary, Tim Schafer's like playing some recent adventure games just for research. And I think he's playing Machinarium, I believe. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It's a, it's a honestly like incredible game. Um, and then there's like Bonique 
boniticula. Boniticula. I'm going to look at oh, this. Oh, it's like the plant, plant one. Based, right? Bo- uh-huh. I think mm-hmm. botanicula. I always think of Bonicula, which is like the vampire yeah. rabbit book I read when yeah. I was. Yeah, I always <laughs> say it. No, I always say it incorrectly. Um, it looks very Pikmin-y if you yes. like just look yeah. at the marketing. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like a botanist uh-huh. thing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, this team, their art direction is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and Creeks is. It, it, it's probably and just me like sort of like surface level looking at them. I think it looks closest to uh, Machinarium. Um, it just has a similar art style, but it, it's. It is creepy, unlike Botanicula and I guess Samaros, but where it's like you, I, I like it because like you're just a dude in a house and this door just kind of opens up behind you and you walk through it and you're just in this huge underground facility. There's no dialogue, there's zero mm-hmm. text, nothing is explained. You're just like exploring this weird structure that's under your house and there's these dogs that will kill you if you get close to them. Like I actually was surprised when you died. Like, I didn't think this was going to be a game like where you were going to be killed when you did yeah. solve the puzzle, which yeah. is where the sort of the limbo comparison comes in. Is like, you die if you do the puzzle incorrectly, but it, it resets very quickly. You can get back into it. It's just, it's just eerie and mysterious in a way that I, that I really like. And the, and the, and the puzzles are, are interesting so far. They're a little repetitious. Like it's definitely, they established the idea of like, okay, you need to avoid these robot dogs and you, you need to use lights to do that. And we're going to have you do that quite a bit. You know, we're going to we're going to rearrange it for every new screen that you enter. But like, it's just there's just a lot of weird. It's not like it's not like gross or anything, but there's a lot of weird stuff happening that you're just sort of seeing. Like you're just kind of Mm -hmm. like looking through cracks and walls and seeing weird, confusing things happen. There's like giant monsters and the structures falling apart and there's like bird like people. Hmm. It's it's interesting. I I, I like what I've played so far on the kind of vibes I get from it is almost like just looking at the screenshots and some gameplay is like courage, the cowardly dog, like similar, just like, (laughs) honestly, like, just like, like this combination of like creepy, like not like scary horror, you know, but like really strange. Yeah. It's yeah. Not scary. Horror is like a good way to describe it. I I think that's, I think that's good. Yeah. Uh, It's interesting. Um, on a, sorry, not on a, on a, Inside <laughs> spectrum, Kyle. If inside is a ten out of ten on being right up your alley, how satisfying is it on an inside spectrum? So the shortcoming when you compare it to inside is the like the platforming element. Mm. Like one of the things that's so good about inside and played it is how good it feels to control that little kid and mm. jumping and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. This doesn't really have that. This feels more like Odd World in that it's more about Ooh. like make it putting yourself in different positions and it's like i don't fight with the controls but they're not they're not as like uh clean i guess you yeah. could say like it's yeah. you know so that's that's like the the i guess you could say the downside but the game is designed around that limitation you know so it's not it, I, I've, it's yeah it's not that it doesn't pull it down that much okay creeks is the name of that one uh what's it on uh, i'm playing it on switch I'm, I'm sure it's on pc as well um but i don't i, I don't know if it's and on yes, consoles or- there we oh, go. Thank you, Leo. PS4. Thanks, Leo. There you go. Um, hey, uh, we like to have top 10 lists developed and created by the MinMax community in the wonderful Patreon exclusive Discord, which is a bit of a Shangri-La on the internet. Um, and we were talking about what to do this week, and we stumbled upon top 10 launch games of all time, which, you know, if we're getting near console launches. Microsoft, are you listening? There's things called launch games. Hot <laughs> 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 uh, tip. <laughs> uh, so the community 
pulled together their collective insane knowledge of games and they've ranked the top 10 launch games of all time, which in my mind was like a very clear-cut case. And then they had a lot of distinctions of, does that include European launches? Does that include Japanese launches? And it's like, uh, I guess it yeah. does, as long as it's noted, so there's not too much confusion. Does it include cross-gen? I was like, well, no way. But then you're leaving out some huge launch games, even just in the Zelda series alone. It's like, yeah, we should include cross-gen. So that's where we're coming from, Kyle. Yeah. Okay. So this is the uh, top 10 console launch games. Um, let's see. Okay, so number 10, which honestly... I, I, it's funny. I always like commentate these as I go through them. I thought this would this would be higher, um, despite its current reputation. But number ten, Sonic Adventure for Dreamcast. Huh? Because like I feel like that is like just crucially important to the Dreamcast, and like just that 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 thing of seeing Sonic, you know, run down the 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 pier with the whale like wrecking everything behind him was just like, oh my god, this we're this is a new generation of games, you know, like we're in the future. Yeah, in terms of having that having a game on launch day to impress friends, I mean, that was a huge one. Yeah, yeah. Uh number 9, Call of Duty 2 Xbox 360. Okay. Were you yeah, a Call of Duty 2 guy? I definitely played on my 360, yeah. Okay. Is that game uh good? Should I ever go back to that? I've never checked out no. an earlier Call of Duty game. No? It was great at the time. But I mean, I remember even like a year later, like, I'm going to go through the campaign just to get the achievements, and I didn't make it through it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I would imagine it probably doesn't hold up very well. Especially, I mean, Call of Duty is such an iterative game. Like, to go yeah. compare the most recent to, like, the second, which just it, I can't even imagine. <laughs> like, you're like, oh, there's so much they've done in that interim. Yeah. Um, number eight, the Game Boy game, Tetris. Which is like, was it? Huh. Kind of a tricky one because it did exist pre Game Boy, but it's so tied to the Game Boy. I mean, I think that game is the success it is even today because of the Game Boy, you could argue. Yeah, it had a huge impact. Yeah, I never would have thought of that as a launch game, but all right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe a little high for my taste. Uh-oh. Number seven, Luigi's Mansion, GameCube. Mm. Uh, Luigi yourself, what do you think about this option? <laughs> I didn't know that that was a GameCube launch game. Oh, yeah. For sure. Uh, GameCube launch. That and Tony Hawk 3, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I just um, remember being so bummed out seeing GameSpot's review. Uh, and Gersman, I think it was Gersman's review. It was like lower than I expected. So in my mind, that game was always like, eh, that kind of lower tier Nintendo game. And then eventually when I got around to playing, it was like, oh, I think it was at Game Informer for a replay. I was like, wait, this game is very cool. I wish I would have checked this out back in the day. Yeah. Um, I... I'm trying to think like Luigi's Mansion. I still haven't played the Switch version, which feels a little bad because like that was one of the primary games I grew up playing as a kid. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Did you have a GameCube right at launch? No, no. That's probably why I didn't like think about that. I Luigi's Mansion was like towards the end of like that was one of the later games we bought because we were like, oh, all right. I guess like you buy the Luigi game after you buy the Mario game, you know, (laughs) like, of course, we're going to buy Mario Sunshine before we buy the Luigi game. Right, right. Sorry, Luigi. Hey, it's the way it's got to be. It wasn't the year of Luigi yet. That's true. That's true. The year of Gooigi. (laughs) Coming up, 2021. Uh, All right, Kyle, what do we got? Uh, Okay, so that's the number number six. We're talking about uh, Super Mario Brothers for the NES. You know, the game that saved the video game industry. (laughs) Okay, I... I guess I didn't know for sure. This is uh, dumb, and I didn't have an NES, but I didn't know for sure that that was a launch game, but that was, like, day and date with the U.S. 
release of the NES. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, like I'm kind of second guessing myself now, but that was like, yeah, that was it came packaged with. Okay, it, right? that's, that seems mistaken. low then, but all right, hey, yeah. that's fair. The the mid max community has voted. Uh, number five, Super Mario World SNES. Of course, I'm sure. If Jeffen was here, he would say that that should be higher. I can hear him screaming from home now. Uh, let's see, number four, Wii Sports for the Wii. Oh, excellent. But they, I mean, not not to spoil anything, but they don't have Twilight Princess on here, which is like surprising. <laughs> they have Wii yeah. Sports, but I could see the argument. I could see the but argument. But it's a little sure. bit like those Mario's too. Yeah, it's a little bit like that Sonic Adventure thing, though, in terms of just bringing somebody over to impress them with a game on your new system. It's like, hey, come over to my house and play a new console, and you will have an experience that you've never had in the video game world. Yes, very true. Uh, number three, Super Mario sixty four, Nintendo sixty four course just another like kind of like sonic where you're like this is something we're in a different you know different generation now like unequivocally yeah you know uh and then uh number two a game we're very familiar with right now hanson halo oh combat evolved for the xbox god i'd argue we'd had the best most thorough discussion possible about halo combat evolved on our youtube channel with the deepest dive (laughs) and then uh number one breath of the wild switch wow Mm. which you know i in my personal list i i don't know if i would put that number one just because there's some other options on here that just changed the video game industry and breath of the wild is just like this amazing game i don't know it's like a weird argument to make in my head but like super mario brothers i feel like is more important to the industry as a whole yeah breath of the wild but like i can't deny how much i love breath of the wild it's the freaking best yeah it is tough because, like, is this the? I mean, that's the best game on the list in my mind. <laughs> but at the same time, well, Tetris is on there. Ooh, ooh, yeah. All right, it's second best game on that list. Uh, but I don't. I wasn't bringing anybody over to my house to be like, you gotta check out this game on the Switch. Look what it's doing. But that's such a different generational, yeah. You know, time yeah. frame for what's going on there. But yeah, it's good. Good list. It's fun to think about it, to remember like which games defined those consoles on day one, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, and like we talked about a lot with the Deepest Dive, I was struck playing through Halo 1 again, just what a vibe that game has. And it's so rare, I think, to have a launch game feel that confident. I know it was scrambled together and they cut corners and reused environments and all that fun stuff, which we talk a lot about in the discussion. But just... To have that distinct tone for a game at launch and the distinct vibe, and, and you know, 60% of that is the music, I think, from Halo, but it's such a, it's such a cool, unique launch game in that entire list there. Uh, but thank you, everybody in the Discord, for voting and uh, giving us the official min-max ranking for the top 10 launch games of all time. Hey, yeah, Leo. Yeah. Leo! <laughs> Do you know how this whole thing operates? Our beautiful supporters on Patreon. That's right. Keeps this whole indie trainer rolling. Thanks everybody on Patreon that supports us at any tier. At any tier, you get access to the Discord, and you can submit comments for the next show where you could win a question of the week from I am 8-Bit and more. Also, you know, you can unlock the podcast version of The Deepest Dive, support that format moving forward, all that fun stuff. Um, like we mentioned this week, we have a watch later coming up. Anna, uh, are we going to have a refreshed coming up? Um. So... W- I, um, like due to like family stuff, I am not going to do refreshed live this week. Um, but I'm like working with the host right now to get something really cool up. Okay. Um, and instead. Yeah. Okay, cool. So something with refresh this week. Yeah. 
Okay, awesome. Um, and then I wanted to plug that on Sunday at 6 p.m. Central, Sunday the 23rd, we are going to have the MinFax call-in show. This is normally the last Sunday of every month, uh, but because we're going to be moving, this is the second-to-last MinFax show in this studio. Um because we're going to be moving, we decided to bump that up. So Serial is going to be joining me for the Midnight for Colin show, and that's for uh, supporters at the $20 tier. They can call in and ask us anything under the sun, and we're legally required to give them an answer. So if you want to call in, record a podcast with us, talk about whatever you'd like, you know, if you just want to talk about games you've been playing, you don't have a burning question, that's fine. The airwaves are all yours. So you take those calls from the Discord. Let me know if you have any questions about how that whole thing works. And thanks to Captain Stubbs one he says, hey, MinMax family, I'm back with a new project this time. Have you ever wondered how bad Fallout 3 lockpicking is? Or how often you should be changing keys on your home? Come on over to the Ask a Locksmith podcast where all these and more are answered. Every other week in all major podcast apps, I sit down to answer the burning questions sent to Ask a Locksmith... La- sorry? I'm so sorry, Captain Stubbs 1. Ask a locksmith pod at gmail.com. I'd be happy to answer yours too. Uh, that's awesome. This was uh, one of his better quest goals is to start this podcast. So it's very cool that Captain Stubbs one started the Ask a Locksmith podcast. Very cool. specific. This is what we like at MinMax. Also, thanks to GamerBox for the support of MinMax here. They say orders for September's GamerBox are now live. This month, we are celebrating Dota 2. Mario Kart, Overwatch, and Assassin's Creed Valhalla. As always, there's a guaranteed autograph in every single gamer box. Boxes remain in pre-order until September 15th, but you don't want to wait. There's only 2,500 available. You can order a gamer box by going to thebambox.com. Leo, that URL one more time is... TheBamBox.com. Thank you, GamerBox folks. You're great. Uh, also, thanks to I'm 8-Bit for their continued support of MinMax here. And this week... They want to highlight a Japanese import because, you know, iMateBit has a lot of great stuff in their store. You can get 10% off everything in their store by entering the promo code MINMAXSHOW. A fair majority, I would say, 50% or so maybe, of the stuff in their store is a vinyl album, which is awesome. Tons of great video game soundtracks and vinyl. But what about those people that say, I don't have a record player. What am I supposed to do? I can't do anything with this hot promo code. Ah, This week, they have the Cuphead 2-disc CD set. The Cuphead 2-disc CD set includes 12 variant tracks and two completely new, never-before-released tracks from Cuphead. It has an exclusive booklet with archival Cuphead artwork and never-before-read liner notes as well. So that is new in the MinMax store, so check out the Cuphead 2-disc CD set. And... This ties in really well. Um, Every week, they give something away to our favorite question of the week that people submit on Patreon. And this week, I Am 8-Bit is generous enough to give away a physical copy of Inside on PS4 from Playdead. Uh, Limited edition. Only 2,000 of these were made. It comes with a uh, a pack-in bonus fold-out poster with original exclusive art. So thanks to I Am 8-Bit. And we will now read through community comments and questions and choose our favorite and that person will get uh inside on ps4 which is a very cool collector's item for one of the greatest games uh of the last five years i'd say kyle yeah (laughs) yeah it's good uh all right you guys ready to jump into questions yeah real quick i want to say captain stubbs one is in the chat admonishing you for messing up his name the name of his podcast right now because that's one of the perks of being a ten dollar min max supporter yeah, that's true. We have a bunch of people watching live at the backstage past here. Well, that's fantastic. Um, let me get it 
write one more time here um, for Mr. Captain Stubbs one. It is <clears throat> ask a locksmith pod at gmail.com. Thanks, Captain Stubbs one. Thanks for admonishing me in the chat. And thanks to everybody at the Backstage Pass for watching us record this show and all of our other shows live. Uh, first question comes from Jonathan Fenn. He says, here's a question. Can you think of the time you were most overwhelmed or awestruck by a sense of scale in video games? When you had to take a moment to comprehend how the size of something you were seeing on screen absolutely dwarfs your character. A lot of people would jump to something like Shadow of the Colossus, but for a more recent example, the Outer Wilds manages to capture a real sense of existential dredge and dread in the way your character experiences the complete vastness of the universe. Sense of scale in a video game is one of my favorite things. I, I'm a sucker for big things in an open world. And I think it comes from a love of Shadow of the Colossus. But anytime a game has that, it's just, oh, there's something so fun about it. Yeah, I mean, Shadow of the Colossus is definitely my go-to. But it's like a weird alternate example. The first time I walked out in the field in Ocarina of Time, it's like a different mm. type of scale. Yeah. And I was like, this feels unlimited, you know? Mm. <laughs> it wasn't, but it right. felt that way. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It could use one big... Uh, what are the zombies called in Ocarina of Time? Uh, the Gibdo or no. the Redead? Redead, yeah. Can you use one big Redead marching across or something to really cement or like drive home the sense of scale? Like a real Attack on Titan kind of situation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, definitely VR all the time. Like certainly the first few times I used VR, that's the biggest thing about it that you can't convey to people who haven't tried it is the sheer sense of scale mm. and actually feeling like a big building is towering over you. But also, yeah. another Zelda example is seeing those divine beasts in Breath of the Wild from super far yeah. away. Yeah. That was really cool. Yeah. To have a destination that was you knew was hours out, but you could see these giant things that were moving. Or I guess even yeah. like, yeah, or like the dragons. I think there's a lot of stuff in Breath of the Wild that kind of drives mm-hmm. that point home. It's like, oh my God, yeah. like, there's something crawling on this volcano. What is happening? Yeah. Yeah, I think um, for me as a kid, like playing Minecraft and like digging down and finding like an entire cavern, an entire like mine shaft and like seeing the tracks and like the spawning points and being like, whoa, there is something here um, was like a really, for me, you know, moment of like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Did you see, by the way, JV Gwaltney sent this my way, of course, um, that there's a Minecraft update for Jurassic World. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, he did. Apparently you can like tour like the whole Jurassic Park, um, like it's very detailed, I guess. Yeah, and um, it seems like it's also, they're working in some park building sim aspects and it's like paid DLC. I, I'll check it out probably before next week's episode of the podcast because I'm so curious because it feels like it's fitting in that slot where they would have started ramping up for Jurassic World Dominion marketing, but because of COVID, mm-hmm. everything got delayed. So now it just feels like it's completely out of left field. Like, well, Minecraft Jurassic World? Uh, okay, I guess it's fine right now. Um, somebody in uh, the chat in the backstage pass, uh, I mean, Leafeon, suggests for this answer for Jonathan Venn's question, uh, like Tall Necks from Horizon Zero Dawn. It's oh, another good example of just anything moving in a big open world. I think mm-hmm. of the Anthropus in Metal Gear Solid Five. That's probably my favorite section oh. of that game and people don't really talk about it people don't talk about a lot yeah. in Metal Gear solid five but remember like dealing with that thing in the open world and what a unique vibe that was yeah i mean even just the introduction with where you're in the really foggy area and the the feet just kind of come in yeah. and through the fog and then exit you're like it was a weird vibe like it was a much scarier vibe than most metal gears up to that point for sure right except for three with all the ghosts walking down that river which genuinely freaked me out as a kid yeah yeah <laughs> 
Because there's nothing worse than a sad ghost. It's very fatal frame. Like that is like, oof, just a horror kryptonite for me is somebody who's sad and dead and realizes that they should be sad because they're dead. Oh, the worst. And you like Spiritfarer? Yeah, everyone is positive-ish. You know, they're <laughs> they're happy to be in that afterlife. Um, yeah. Spiral in your eyes submitted a question on Patreon saying, are there any games from your childhood that you only have vague memories of that you have no idea what game they actually were? I remember a PC game where you explored a large building. I think it was a hospital with occasional shooting levels where you shoot viruses, I think. It's really hard to Google these things. Um, yeah. I don't know I what that is. I don't even know how like interesting it is to like talk about it because it's like, yeah, I have a game. It's like, I remember it was a, it was a 2d game and it was mostly puzzle solving. And like you were a guy with a backpack and you couldn't really see his face. Uh, what? and, and go, <laughs> That's what game is that? I don't Heart know. Heart of Darkness. I remember there was also like 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 little elves and stuff. I can remember and you were like you're making your way up a mountain, like tears of a mountain. But I, I Treasure Math like, Storm. Treasure Math Storm. Yeah. Can I Google that real quick? Let's see. What if 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 Did you solve math? Problem? I don't remember. I maybe. Ooh, Kyle. This, this might be it. Let's this see. looks good. This looks like a real Treasure Math Storm. Gosh, this might be it, man. <laughs> Leo! <laughs> what? Yes! Yeah, dude! I, wow! Holy cow. <laughs> to be fair... How did you know that? I mean, Leo does oh. talk about Treasure Mass Storm on most episodes of the podcast, so the odds of this happening are pretty high. Is this... Is this like a known game? Like, I, I feel like this was just a, a game that was on a lot of friends' PCs, you know? <laughs> yeah, I played it at school at a math level okay. below mine so that I could do more of, like, the playing it part and less of the math problems. <laughs> smart, smart. That's such a funny name for a game. Wow, Leo, jeez. Can we get Leo question of the week? <laughs> you got it, man. That's amazing. Uh, I played a version of... Uh, of Oregon Trail, but it was on the Amazon River. Yep. And like there were these two like imported like pixely videos. Like the characters were like rendered. They were like if you pixelated photos and you put them into a game. Right. Um and there are these weird videos and it all I remember is like I was never able to beat it. <laughs> I was never able to get well, down. Was, was this an at school situation as well or was it Mm-mm. No. Okay. Yeah, and no it was on the computer. Um, it was on Apple at the time. Yeah. Um, I think like a lot of those old mech games, when eventually like Oregon Trail had uh, video and stuff, like they would just pull yeah. in friends and family and scan them in. I think Amazon Trail is the same. Yeah. I. It's a distressing thing to think about every once in a while that I don't think I've ever finished a trail game in my life after playing so much Oregon Trail as a kid. And it's such an important game for me that I've never finished that. Huh. Have you, Leo? Yeah, we should do a is deepest it, dive. Is it oh easy to... That would be a great deepest dive. Um, oh, that would be super fun. Uh, yes, maybe I think some it's, more I don't think it's super easy. You kind of have to get lucky, and I think there are th- things that you should buy at the start that people recommend. You gotta be but, the banker out of the gate and all that stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, invest in oxen. Yeah. Uh, do you have a vague one, Leo, that you can't figure out the name for? I mean, nothing specific, but a lot of Flash games. Yeah. 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 There's one where you kind of have to play more and more games at the same time. Like, they would just keep popping up, and you would switch between screens. 
and I don't know if it's even online anymore because I thought I remembered what it was called, but I looked it up and I couldn't find it. I thought it was called Arcadia. Oh God! But it doesn't exist anywhere. Huh? Uh, you just saying Flash games reminded me. This is not games, but there was a Flash video that my friend and I were obsessed with back. You know, I guess it would have been like Flash videos. It's like its own beast. I know, and they're all just lost. I remember trying to Google this thing, but it would have been two thousand. 1999, somewhere around there. And the video was like this flash animation of this kid in a school and the teacher was really mean. I just remember there's this moment where the teacher goes, what did you say? And the kid goes, uh, nothing. And the teacher just goes, this <laughs> 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 is like that. And it was our favorite thing. And I, it was something about a pencil. If anybody out there could ever find this flash video, um, I will send them kisses over the internet. I would love to it, dig this thing up. Is it live action or animated? It was animated. It kind of looked like a home movies type thing, you know? But just very okay. crude early Flash stuff. It sounds like a scene from like Invader Zim in a weird way. <laughs> I, no, it was definitely like indie as hell. It wasn't like a clip okay. from a show or anything like that. But um, Okay, news time, y'all. Uh, Joe Kufchinski writes in and says, with Epic going nuclear and Apple and, on Apple and Google... Do you think Sony's $250 million investment in Epic was protection money? Uh, <laughs> there's a lot There's a lot to get through here. Uh, Kyle with the Gaming Right Home podcast, I assume you yeah. talked about Epic's war against Apple, which kind of launched last week. Feels like a lifetime ago, but do you want to give a summary of what's going on here? It's still raging, baby. Heck yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah, what is the best way to summarize it? I mean, Epic... It's basically they're going to war with Apple. They don't like how much of a percentage Apple takes of App Store sales. They tried to bypass them by allowing people to buy their currency without going through the App Store if you're playing Fortnite on an iPhone. Yeah. Which they did on purpose. Like they did it to raise a flag, which it did. And then the game's been blocked, which like made and Epic was like, okay, that's the the gun for the the race. Let's give them uh, our lawsuit and then we'll release this video. That's sort of weaponizing the Fortnite community to get on our side against our war against Apple. And now, and in retaliation, Apple has now tried to limit not just Fortnite, but they're trying to block the Unreal Engine on iPhones, like in general, uh, where Which, people can't update their 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 fi- their like their games if it's an Unreal Engine <laughs> game on mobile. And so now, Epic's response has been to try to just at least prevent that while they're going on with the larger litigation, like. Courts, can you please tell Apple not to do this while we try to figure out the larger issue here? And that's where we're at right now. Which is crazy because, you know, somebody pulled out a quote from, you know, within the last several months when Tim Cook was uh, speaking to Congress and somebody asked him about, like, retaliating against developers or people in the App Store. And he's like, oh, no, Apple would never retaliate for people complaining about the cut of the App, app, like app Store. And now it's just 100% oh, that. Just like, that. well, now we go to war with Epic because they're trying to weaponize the Fortnite community. But you say, you know, they released this video. It's, I think it's kind of fun, even though, you know, there's a lot of debate. The context about, is like kind of gross, but like, if, I, I see what you're saying. Like the idea behind it is kind of interesting. It's, yeah. it's a fun idea to see even a very wealthy company now like epic try and be a little bit piratey and a little bit cheeky and so they released a parody made in unreal in the fortnite engine of apple's famous 1984 commercial uh directed by kyle i actually don't know sir ridley scott oh okay yeah uh of i would like, guess terry gilliam yeah close sure enough terry gilliam? 
I think, uh, we'll say it is sure but you know, <laughs> uh, know. the famous like 1984 thing don't yes. let 1984 be 1984 famous like the most famous hmm Actually, I was going to say the most famous Apple commercial, but do you think like the iPod commercials now have taken over? Uh, um, maybe. The dancing Depends thing? on the generation. Yeah. Anyways, so they were completely ready to go with this crusade, you know, saying, hey, use hashtag free Fortnite. I checked out the hashtag earlier today. I don't think a lot of people are actually using that as a, as a means sure. of attacking <laughs> the 13 Apple. 13-year-olds have been mobilized. I feel bad for all those kids, <laughs> though, that have been Roblox. Yeah. Oh, oh, Fortnite's not working? I know. Yeah. 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 But you know, I'm curious because I've been seeing a lot of indie developers come out and say like, hey, please don't hurt us. This impacts us. Um, And I wonder if there are Apple Arcade games that use Unreal. Like, would that impact their own offerings? Um, Oh, weird. Right? You know what? I had not considered that. That's very smart. (laughs) (laughs) I I can reach out and and ask um, because I was just, I yeah, just thought of that. But like, how are you going to go through with that if you're impacting, like, you know, folks on your service? <laughs> yeah. So it's a bit of a standoff between these two companies. It seems like, I mean, we see Epic as this huge company, but compared to Apple, I mean, so here's, oh. here's, here's the numbers here, right? So um, according to Sony's $250 million investment in Epic, that was a 1.4 stake of Epic from a couple of months ago or last month. So people did the did the math, find out that Epic is worth $17.86 billion compared to Apple, which is worth $2 trillion. And so the idea that Apple would budge on this, mm-hmm. I just don't think there's any way, right? It's so, I mean, it's funny because like in that, when you have those numbers side by side, it's like, well, Epic does kind of feel like the underdog, but it's like, it's also a, a company that is worth a B like a billion, you know, like it's like, right. it's just these two giants, these two colossi stomping around <laughs> grappling each other, you know? Yeah. So, uh, Tim cook, uh, head of Epic over there, he tweeted out a little more explanation here. Uh, saying at the most basic level, we're fighting for the freedom of people who bought sn- uh, smartphones to install apps from sources of their choosing the freedom. For Tim cook. Cook. Oh, yeah. Did I say I Apple. Confused. Wait, I think. Okay, so Tim Sweeney of this. Epic. If I yeah. if Tim I misspoke. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. One of them needs to go by Timothy. Like the. <laughs> yes, uh, Sir Sweeney. Uh, Sweeney Todd wrote in, and he says, <laughs> "At the most basic level, we're fighting for the freedom of people who bought smartphones to install apps from sources of their choosing. The freedom for creators of apps to distribute them as they choose, and the freedom of both groups to do business directly. The primary opposing argument is, quote, smartphone makers can do whatever they want. This is an awful notion. We all have rights, and we need to fight to defend our rights against whoever would deny them, even if that means fighting a beloved company like Apple. Another argument against supporting hashtag free Fortnite is that this is just a billion-dollar company fighting a trillion-dollar company about money, but the fight isn't over but the fight isn't over Epic wanting a special deal. It's about the basic freedoms of all consumers and developers. Finally, there's nothing wrong with fighting about money. You work hard to earn this stuff. When you spent it, the way it's divided determines whether your money funds the creation of games or is taken by middlemen who use their powers to separate gamers from game creators. Yeah. So, yes. I mean, we, I, think, I think Epic's, like, stated goal, like, let's say they, they come out on top here, like, it would benefit mobile developers. Yeah. Like, yeah. Which is a, a good thing. Yeah. It's just... It's just a, I don't know, it's, it's such a weird fight to just sort of watch, Yeah. you know? Well, and it's weird that it's coming up now. Like, there's, like, this language of, like, oh, you know, 
like this is really important to fight for like the freedom of makers. But like this has been like there are there is significant reporting on issues like creators were facing in like 2013 on like serious games that were having issues like with the like get like staying on the platform. Like Apple's always been sort of like discriminatory in like who it lets on you know sell and so it's interesting that this is coming up now and it's probably because you know it's impacting the billion you know and not like smaller folks but yeah absolutely so i guess we're rooting for developers to get more of a cut so we have to side with the billion dollar corporation of epic um (laughs) the the, the underdogs yeah we'll see how it all shakes out it's it's a fun saga to to look at i look forward to finding out in four years great yeah (laughs) uh tom blackburn submitted a question saying you guys just want to stay in corporate land because that's where we're at, baby. Uh, Tom Blackburn writes in, with Facebook now requiring a Facebook account in order to log into existing Oculus Rift products starting in October, what is your nightmare scenario for VR data sharing? Leo, which, which Oculus or which headset do you have? I have the Oculus Rift so with you, the touch controllers for PC. Okay, so you're going to have to log in to your, with your Facebook account? Well, they said legacy accounts will be honored until 2023. Okay. From what I heard. But they also so, make no promises that like in, in a year that those games will be like functional. Like a game might require a Facebook update, you know, sure. or a Facebook login. So like it they say they'll support it, but it's like, but we're not making any promises. It's kind of how they, they phrased it sort of. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean the I think it's a huge bummer, obviously, and I think in a couple years I will have have a new headset by then and i just it probably won't be an oculus one now like yeah that's the decision's been made by this decision pretty much yeah uh honest sorry i feel like i cut you off oh no 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 no. i was gonna ask wait so the question is like what the nightmare data collecting scenario is yeah don't you feel like they would already have all the data they would need on your face yeah <laughs> anyway yeah i i mean i know for a fact that there are developers that work with you know healthcare companies in the twin cities that to develop things to collect info on like they will literally collect biometric data to then help them like set rates as like a healthcare insurance provider so there's like already kind of nightmare scenarios looming um and like i think it's always safe to assume like if data can be collected it is being collected like everything's a data center like and that that's like it's whole it's whole thing but like mm-hmm. there's shoshana once Wondinsky, who's like a really great ad tech reporter and like her whole shtick on this and like even with games it's like okay well everything's like collecting your data but it's like it's almost like fine (laughs) it's not like fine it's more complicated than that but it's like the nightmare is happening we just probably aren't super aware of it yeah so you know and it's i think about every once in a while too like well i don't have facebook on my phone i haven't had it for years but then i realize no i guess i have that stupid messenger app so like still mm-hmm. all the data Facebook would want from my phone, they've already got it at this point. Yeah. So. But it's interesting because like today I was just talking to um, my boyfriend works like in data privacy um, and he was telling me how like researchers are now using um, like the ad tech platform for Facebook. Like they'll like be can like be a small business, sign up, get those analytics. And now they're tracking like migration patterns using that information. And so like all that's there and I'm assuming like they've been doing stuff related to VR as well. So yeah, they, they can't help it. They just need to consume yeah. more. Um, so it's a tricky one. Um, Ronnie. Oh, by the way, uh, people in the backstage pass, uh, recommended tip of my joystick 
on Reddit. I think we've talked about it before on the podcast. Maybe it was back on the Game Informer show, but it's a whole Reddit dedicated to people describing games and seeing if people can guess it. Uh, oh, like that's cute. Here, like this one, uh, mid to mid twenty tens. Please help me, Reddit. I'm looking for a game that is a three D futuristic parkour running game. I only saw a gameplay of it about a year ago on YouTube. The video is just the game, but the audio was about the James Charles Toddy Westbrook drama. Neither the video title nor description mentioned the game, the name of the game. My friend and I have been looking for it for the last couple of weeks. Kyle, do you know what it is? Uh, what What was the year? Mid 2010s futuristic parkour running game. It's a Mirror's Edge. Yes, yeah, it's Mirror's Edge. That one seems okay. pretty easy, but some of these are like weird deep cuts. Uh, 80s rocket building game on a monochrome monitor. Hang on, I think that's just called Rocket. I played this as well. Did you guys on the Apple too? Like that rocket building game? What is it, Leo? Leo? Uh, Defend your title. People have it here. <laughs> this is uh, a 1992 mech joint as well called Rocket Factory. Oh my God. I went to a rocketry summer school class and we got to build real rockets. And then when we weren't building real rockets, we were making Rocket Factory rockets. Both were very fun. That should have been on the list of launch games. <laughs> come on come on give it up at home everybody eye. come on <laughs> he's gotta look away he can't because he's gonna smile the size of manhattan over there um <laughs> I <don't> like doing <laughs> <laughs> ronnie barrier wrote in and says what do you think the completion rate for roguelike games is I love games like Rogue Legacy and Dead Cells with dozens of hours played between them, but I can't remember the last time I actually beat a roguelike. Am I a problem? <laughs> I mean, it, it probably is low, but I mean, part of the, 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 the fun of a roguelike for people who get into them is that like they are kind of infinitely replayable. It's not really about the, the, the destination as much as it is the journey. So I, I, the completion rate is probably pretty low, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, Leo, how much do you care about finishing a roguelike? Uh, it obviously depends, but usually not that much. But something like Spelunky, where a completed run is only 20 to 30 minutes, like, that's the goal every time, is to get to the end. But certainly for Rogue Lights, it's, you know, it's more about the journey. Yeah. yeah. Um, how much are you looking forward to Spelunky 2? Infinitely. <laughs> Infinite looking forward. I was playing a Spelunky 1 again recently with a friend of the show, Joe Buckles, using Steam Remote Play, because it only has local multiplayer. Oh. So it'll be cool to have online fully supported in Splunky 2. Yeah, that'll be great. Uh, should we stream that at MinMax? Should we make a big deal out of that? Because Jeff loves that game too. Yeah. Done deal. Um, September, was it 19th? That's sure. Okay, sometime mid That would be an oddly fun deepest dive for just like one long episode or something. Oh my God. That could be interesting. Yeah, you're totally right. Okay, write that down. Um, <laughs> Shane Carley ass last week's argument oh boy last week's argument over what constitutes a salad made me remember a similar conversation i had with some friends a couple of years ago we thought we had the definition of a salad pinned down to something along the lines of a leafy green topped with vegetables and or meats until someone brought up potato salad and pasta salad and egg salad what the hell is a salad is an ice cream sundae an ice cream salad is vegetable soup liquid salad where's the cutoff is everything a salad please help shane you are a human salad uh your brain is just a salad in the skull that is a salad bowl 
Yeah, you, you answered it, man. You no, that's it. really deep and profound. Thank you. I think yeah. the answer is yes. Everything's a salad. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think yeah, but, but the, the inventor of whichever came first out of like egg salad, potato salad, like they ruined it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they should be uh, dragged out into the street and shot, I believe is yeah. what Leo's advocating. That's right. I'm just saying what they did was not fair. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And then so. Jello salad. Yeah. Yeah. Oh come on. Gosh, come yeah. on now. Fruit salad. Oh, uh, Pelican man. He's here. Pelican man. Uh, he says, Hey, what's your favorite multiplayer mode or variant that nobody ever talks about? For me, there's only one answer. The blacktop mode, specifically from NBA 2K13. This mode allowed you to play streetball as celebrities with impossible physical attributes, <laughs> including a 6'9 Justin Bieber with limitless range, <laughs> Bow Wow with insane hops, and the guy who played Kevin on The Office with Shaq-like strength. <laughs> what are you talking about, Pelican Man? This is what the thing? thing? <laughs> okay. I is it like a mod or something? I I don't know. I think it's probably real that they actually <laughs> license these people. Let's see. Blacktop mode celebrities. Well, I mean, I was going to say Wario wears smooth moves, but I mean, this guy takes it with this weird example. <laughs> Great multiplayer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So what, what mode are you talking about? Just Wario like, pass it around? Yeah, no. Well, I mean, once you beat the game, there was a proper multiplayer. Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't remember exactly how it worked. Did everyone have their own Wii remote, or did you have to pass it? Or there were like teams. I think you maybe there were multiple options. It was weird. You had to beat the whole game to unlock it, though. That was like yeah. a disappointing. To bring it to a friend's house. It was yeah. It was frustrating because that's what I did. I I went and picked it up and brought it over to a friend's, and then like we discovered that the hard way. But um, yeah, it's funny. I don't remember all the specifics, but like that was like one of the main multiplayer games I played was WarioWare and like Dance Central. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, great. Uh, by the way, yeah, Celebrity All Stars 2013. Uh, you could play as Justin Bieber, JB Smoove, Whale, Bow Wow, Chamillionaire, or Chamillionaire? Chamillionaire. Thank you. Sean Kingston, Meek Mill, Vinny and Polly D from Jersey Shore, Mac Miller, and Brian Baumgartner. Does anybody know who that last person is? That's coming from the office, I oh, assume. Oh, there we go. Okay. Uh, I feel like I should check that out. That sounds so Do you think stupid. they just, like, mass, like, like emailed hundreds of celebrities and we're like hey can we use any of you for this <laughs> like please yeah. let us use you <laughs> meek mill responded was like yeah sure <laughs> as long as i can look cool uh that sounds fantastic uh i mean i'm a broken record but driver san francisco's split screen tag mode uh is some of my favorite racing game experiences i don't think we've streamed it at minmax here but we probably should sometime soon <laughs> i feel like it's a countdown yeah. until restream driver san francisco split screen tag mode Mm-hmm. I love weird multiplayer modes. Uh, I got into Crisis 2 multiplayer for some reason. I played like 30, 40 hours of that. Oh my god. Weird. I don't know why, but it was sweet. You could turn invisible and stuff. <laughs> was it cool? I'm trying to even remember the reputation. Did people like that multiplayer mode? Or was it just like the equivalent of playing the multiplayer mode of Arkham Origins endlessly or something? I'm the only one who even knows it existed. <laughs> <laughs> just playing matches by yourself in an empty lobby yeah max Payne 3 multiplayer god rested i wish servers were still up on pc god remind me so the slow down effect that was like a radius around your character how do they do that right it was a radius around your character and that was like a fully fledged multiplayer mode with like challenges you know call of duty style of certain number of kills and perks you could do to like 
give you more slow motion so you could annoy more people by putting them in slow motion all the time. Mm, perfect. Sweet. Uh, um, I, okay, so Super Mario 64 DS has a download multiplayer mode that yeah. I've spent an ungodly amount of time playing with, like friends. Um, yeah, because you only needed one cartridge, right? Exactly, yeah, and that's yeah. why, yeah. Um, and the mini games were like, there was like, they were just, it was like Mario Party style almost, mm-hmm. except completely embedded into Mario 64 for the Nintendo DS. Um, which is, is that a DS launch title as well? Yes, it I is. I was going to say it. Yeah. <laughs> so I that should be. the heck out of that. I Devil's thought that up. was a really good launch title. Um, it blew my mind at the time. Oh, yeah. That yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's funny. Like, I feel like we don't talk because, like, Mario 64 is this legacy game, and it's like there's a version of it that has 200 stars that people like mm-hmm. forget about, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I played the crap out of that game. That's yeah. the first time I finished Mario 64 was with that, and I only used the touchscreen the entire time, too. It was insane. My finger was rubbed <laughs> to, to, raw. To, like, control? Like, yeah, because you could do that. Yeah, for like, because yeah. using just the D pad was thumb? too weird. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think, I think it would have been my thumb. You use a stylus? No, please. Well, there was a little strap that had the plastic nut. Oh, right? oh my gosh! Yeah, but it was so imprecise. Yeah, it was rough. It was awful. You, no one who made you do that. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I was in college and lonely. I guess uh, I'm trying to figure out. I remember Mario mini games with that. I remember like the drawing the line to make the parachute and stuff. That was like the single yes, player the ball moms. Yeah, and then there's a snowball one where you're. It's like dashing up the hill. Treasure Master. Oh. Yeah, I think it just had straight memory, <laughs> right? Like Treasure <laughs> Math Star. You should just go to the tip of your joystick, Reddit, and just write Treasure Math Star for Set up a script. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I remember, am I thinking of New Super Mario Brothers where there's kind of like a race one to get five coins that was multiplayer? Was that Mario 64 oh. or was that New Super Mario Brothers? There was a lot. They they shared a lot of the same mini games, actually. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah, there's like a yeah. card game, too, that might have been shared. Um, huh. That, that's yeah, a good cut. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, bring gr- it to Switch. Bring it to Switch, you cowards. Yeah. Greg, what? Wouldn't that be fun if they ended up porting the sixty or the DS version mm-hmm. to the Switch? But it's it's such a good game. Like even the intro scene where you can like play with the tracing and like draw the little photos and play with the lines, like and the two hundred stars and all four characters. You know, right. it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Greg Lovell submitted a question. He says, hi, MMers. Hello. I'm planning to get the PS5 at launch just because I love the excitement of having it, um, but my TV isn't 4K. It's pretty good, but I'm wondering if I need to upgrade for PlayStation 5. My wife will go mad, but I need, but do I need a 4K UHD TV to make the PS5 worthwhile? Or should I wait until the TV dies before going next gen? I, I we could kill the TV. <laughs> that's right I mean I've death. been looking at like TVs with higher refresh rates because that's like the thing it's like 120 FPS but it's like I don't think I can even take advantage of it like without a higher refresh rate. I think I have 60 hertz or something but I, yeah. I don't think that's enough so I've been like looking at those and they're very expensive I, it's a good question because I mean I think I think the quick answer is maybe no like I think the games will still look very good and there will be a lot of you know, you'll be able, you'll be able to play Miles Morales. You're not going to like lose anything in terms of like in the core gameplay and the story. But yeah, I mean, to get the full experience of what that game is meant to look like, maybe you want a 4K. But it's not like 
You're, it's not like enemies are not going to be showing up on screen because you don't have 4K, you know? Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. It's a tough I question. really feel outed here by this question because I just have a 1080 TV. Don't tell anybody, but even though I'm a video guy, the 4K thing, it doesn't, it's not important to me so far. Every time I've seen an example of a 4K TV, I'm like, I guess technically that looks better, but I haven't had a wow moment from a TV. Maybe I'm just... Uh, not getting out there enough and checking out no. other TVs. But has anybody really had a wow moment? Ori and the Will of the Wisps was the first time for me. Like, literally. Like, I'd had a 4K for... Uh, whenever the Xbox One X came out, I think yeah. I got a 4K. And I could see, like, yeah, it looks a little better. But Ori was the first time... And it's all the colors. It's all in the mm. colors. It's not like the resolution. It's like the colors mm. are way more vibrant. And that's where I notice it. But to be but fair, I'm you, I, I can't, I, if you show me a 1080p and a 4k, like I, most of the time, I'm not going to be able to, to distinguish. And I think a lot know? of that's just art direction from Ori. You know, well, I think, but, but I, I, also I went back moment. and forth between uh, 4k and standard. Yeah, but still, okay. No, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, but I don't like, I don't want to dismiss what you're saying, but like, I, it's one of the few occasions where I did have immediate like back and forth. Cause like right. my family wants to watch TV. I have a little monitor that I'll play Xbox games on. And that was a, ca- a case where I was like, Ooh, if I'm going to play Ori, I, I want, I would prefer to play it on the 4k. Cause it does look significantly better just cause the color. Right. Hmm. Um, I, I set up a, Twitter poll to see where the MinMax Twitter community is at for what type of TV they have. Leo, guess how many people that follow MinMax on Twitter that voted in this poll uh, are rocking a 720p TV? What percentage? Yeah. Or how many? Percentage. Fifteen? Uh, wow. Three. Three percent. Mm. I was shocked that these numbers were leaning this way. Only 35% were at 1080 and 62% were at 4, 4K. That is a wow. much higher percentage than I imagined. Yeah, I would have guessed much lower, yeah. Yeah, just, I, I don't know, I just, I guess I'm going off like my friends, and I guess a couple of them have 4K TVs, but at some point within the last five years, seems like a majority of this gamer audience made that leap, which is surprising to me, but again, that's just from my very 1080 perspective. There was a pretty significant price drop within the last two years, I think. Like, they actually became a lot more affordable. I have a giant 4K TV that was not that expensive. Yeah. Like, if you didn't yeah. wait for a sale... But also, my stance on this is if you're not made of money, it does not a big difference. Yes. Right, yeah, right. That's a good point. Uh, the most, the biggest wow TV moment I had recently was I was at my girlfriend's house and I was confused about what this was, but they had like a newer Samsung TV and apparently there are like baked in Samsung channels now, like a ton of channels and they just have like a home improvement channel Mm. basically like their HGTV that's just like baked into all new Samsung TVs, which doesn't sound like much, but as somebody who likes a good old fashioned, you know, HGTV show, I was like, yeah, I'm going to get a Samsung TV because like I don't have a TV package, but if I just can have like home building shows on my TV at all time, that's a done deal. I care more about HGTV than 4K TV, Kyle. Put it on the back of the box. On the back of the box, please. I don't know what box, but we can put it on there. Slap it on. Jake Zielsdorf wrote in, it says, Virginia was a cool game, this generation, that featured a lot of quick cuts I had only seen in movies before. Do you think slash hope we will see more games with higher graphical fidelity do that next gen with the capabilities of the SSDs? I hadn't thought about that. Virginia's kind of a deep cut, but the notable thing about that indie game is it's telling a story, kind of a cryptic storyline, and then it's really cool because as you're playing, it's hard-cutting, jump-cutting through different areas which we had the developers on the game informer show podcast back then to talk about how they did that 
Um, but I hope bigger studios take advantage of that because that was a really cool effect that you just don't really see in the middle of gameplay very often. That's it. Yeah. I hope people do that. Immediate environmental changes. It's like, it usually fades to black, fades up. Okay, we've traveled here, you know. Yeah. Uh, Victor Fam writes in, do you feel that diversity in gaming protagonists has improved this generation? Well, it's nice to see characters like Ellie, uh, Jin Sakai, and Miles Morales headline the biggest AAA games. It still feels like diversity in the AAA space has a long way to go. What type of representation still feels underserved? Uh, diversity this generation. How are y'all feeling about it? I mean, okay. Like, as far as, like, mainstream, it's, you know, okay. E3 being away is really, like, not having E3 is really interesting for this question, I think is really important Hmm. to take into an account. Um, Because, like, I think um, showcases, like, you know, more focus on emphasis, like, more, sorry, I'm tripping over my words, more emphasis on events like the Indie Showcase enable more um, representation like within games, like more diverse representation. Like the indie showcase we saw, you know, like really great sort of like also even age diversity, like seeing like kids in games and seeing, um, you know, like, uh, you know, characters from other continents, et cetera. um, And like women, but like, as far as I did like a report for Polygon on like E3, um, like based off of a report from Feminist Frequency, and, like, it still wasn't a good year for women <laughs> in representation of games. And that was, like, like 20, 2019. Okay, yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 So, like, it's interesting because it's, like, okay, um, as far as, like, mainstream AAA, I feel like, I mean, obviously, it's, like, getting better. But, like, what's better from what we where we were at before that, right? But, like, yeah. if you consider, like, games are so, it's, like, games industry. It's just, like, that encompasses so much these days. It's, like if you just say like, oh, it was a bad year as far as E3 goes, you're totally erasing like all these smaller creators. Like I've never seen so many great, incredible indie games get so much attention. Um, That's really important. Um, Like, yeah, I don't know. And so like, I'm really optimistic um, because like this generation brought a switch, which brought us like more smaller creators. Yes, where they feel more liberated to have more diverse characters. Like, you know, Yeah, it is an interesting point thinking about E3 last year because I think in our minds, like, well, I think this generation's gotten a lot better. Uh, you know, even just the small transition of the Gears 5 marketing focusing on Kate, just like those subtle shifts, like, okay, mm-hmm. there's a sign of the times a little bit. That's good. But then if you just yeah. zoom out, it's still it's still a fraction. It's like nowhere near 50% yeah. of games are going to star a, a woman, you know? Um, yeah. But it, I was thinking about this while playing Spirit Fair, mm-hmm. where it's like an African-American woman character. And it's like, almost feels like the default in indie games and i'm sure it's nowhere near it but i would just love mm-hmm. to see like the diversity of the protagonist in games on a chart per, uh related to the budget of the game because it seems like everything yeah. in that bottom is just like okay yeah. flowering across the rainbow we got everything down here and then as the budget increases like okay now we're getting more ubisoft and let's go for the straight white guy yeah. as a protagonist yeah well and then there's like other questions where it's like okay um I mean, as far as, you know, like having Ellie as like protagonist of like a one of like the biggest releases of the year, that's really great. But then it's like, who's writing these stories? Like there are still, it's just like such a layered and complicated question. That's like, all right, you know, like yeah. it's going to take a lot to sort of muddle through it all. But yeah, that would be interesting because I feel like what you'd see is more diverse characters, like a higher percentage of diverse characters for like smaller games, you know? Um, yeah. 
do, yeah, where do you, that, yeah. uh, you spend a lot of time thinking about this on it. Like, what do you think about getting so analytical about that, about like making a chart and like having like the diversity checklist, mm. you know, like you know, I, I remember for the, what like, do you mean? Like, like here. So I'm with, with the deepest dive on the last of us part two, uh, yeah. we had Nick from Atlanta, dear friend of the show. Yeah. Um, I remember he submitted a comment that we didn't get to on air and I feel bad about it. But he just wrote in talking about like, hey, everybody's praising the diversity of The Last of Us Part Two. But like, if you map out uh, the non-white characters in the game, there not a lot of them have a big role. Mm. And it's one of those things like, yeah, I guess that's true. But there's so much diversity highlighted in The Last of Us Part Two that like, I, it seems like an odd angle to come from. But I think it's easy to get focused on just like, okay, let's crunch the numbers. How many characters does this game have? Therefore, mm-hmm. this game is good. Therefore, this game is bad. Do you mm-hmm. think it can be like, you know, bottled down into that clinical framework? I mean, I, I mean, I don't think so because like, I don't know, maybe my hottest take is that like a game like Entitled Goose Game is like good for diversity, you know, um, because it like just opens up people to like the full scheme of like what games can look like. And like, it's not about, for me, it's never been about like a checklist. Like it's, it's just been about like these really, I mean, I guess, I don't know, on the clinical side, like, women shouldn't, I don't think, like, women should be exclusively, like, sexualized in games, right? Um, But then that being said, it's, like, there are, like, ways to, like, portray women sexually, and so it's just, like, it's so, like, these conversations, like, are so nuanced. I, as far as, like, The Last of Us 2 goes, like, I, I haven't played it, and so, like, I can't, you know, speak to it, but, like, I think that, like, you know, that's where, like, a robust body of criticism comes in, because it's, like, you know, like, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, oh, like, having Ellie on there, like, is not, you know, important to folks, um, because, like, it is, and, you know, it does improve things, but it's, like, okay, you know, um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough question. I mean, I think, I, I think the core question is, like, has it improved? I mean, I, I'm hopeful that it has, like, I've, it feels, it feels like, like it has, like it has. And, it, and yeah. it's like yeah. I, it is i like i kind of appreciate that sort of analytical perspective too of like just to make sure that like we are being inclusive here you know like to get yeah. even because it's like you can't always go on feelings necessarily you know, yeah but, yeah well and i think it's like if you're a game studio like maybe it's not about like creating a checklist being like okay we checked all the, like the woke boxes so like we're good right <laughs> yeah like Maybe Put that it, on the back um, of the box. It's just a right? one, two-player woke. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, yeah, on their ES, uh, ESRB rating, yeah, right. <laughs> W for woke. Like, <laughs> I think, like, it should be more about, like, okay, what are, who are, like, other folks and, like, voices that we can integrate into the making of these games? And, like, then let's just, like, see what games get made, right? Like, it's perfectly fine to, like, there are diversity consultants, like, folks who, like, work in this field to make media like more inclusive so it's like i'm totally down for those voices like being more included in like the triple a space um and i think that's a better way to think about it because often the people who are doing that work like are like women of color um and that's like providing them an into you know like a, a hand a guiding hand in making these products um because that's like the other side of it is um i read like a piece that was like oh now you know as we shift for, as we push for more representation in games, we push for like more female representation in games. Like all we're getting is like a bunch of white dudes writing the stories of women. And like, do we want that? And it's like, okay, but like, that's such an essentialized view. Like I, you know, um, like it's, it is so, so, so messy, but it, yeah. (laughs) 
yeah, no, it's it's a tough question. Yeah, tough question for Victor, but uh, good one. But uh, things are getting better. I'm optimistic. There we go, getting better. <laughs> if uh, I can take this question with all those smart answers and make it about Watch Dogs Legion, please, please do. <laughs> I <laughs> wonder if because that game is like you know Why all you these different like, citizens yeah. of all these different backgrounds. It's yeah. like I wonder if that group of gamers that is out there and vocal about like I don't want to play it unless I'm a white dude will like see a character in that game who's not a white dude but has an incredible like stat or attribute or trait that they want to play as are they just like not going to pick that person you know right to that leo i will bring up this horrible anecdote of like playing pokemon with like a with a family member as a kid and like he we were like we were shiny hunting and we were looking for Pokemon with like very specific IVs. So we're just looking for strong Pokemon. And he found a Pokemon with like perfect IVs, perfect attribute, literally like the perfect Pokemon for his competitive team. And he's like, no, I want all my Pokemon to be boys. So you can have this Pokemon on a, um, so in response, I would not put it past people. (laughs) Sure. Sexist people will actively make their experience worse in order to remain sexist in Watch Dogs 3 is, yeah. is what we'll see. I was thinking about it this weekend, actually, Leo, because I played through Sunset Riders for the 74th time, I believe. And I was thinking about, like, you know, growing up in a very, very white area of rural Minnesota. I was like, oh, there was something kind of nice about it. Sunset Riders is filled with a lot of racial issues, by the way. A depiction of Native Americans, not so great. Um, but... Like, the coolest character in the game was Cormano, who's, like, this Mexican guy who also was, like, in the pink and purple. And so I remember playing that when I was a kid at the arcade, and, like, no one wanted to be Cormano because, like, oh, like, the purple guy? That's gay. You know, back in the 90s, of course. I was like, hey, he has, like, the best shotgun, and he has, like, this custom hat animation. So, like, I was... I thought it was a nice gesture from Konami and not a great era of Konami, but to release this game, where it's like, you know what? I'm going to go for this pink and purple Mexican guy every time because he's clearly the best, you know? It's a small little thing. So I got over it. I assume Watchdog Legion's fan can get over it too. I hope so. Hope so. (laughs) Anyways, what did nickname here? Writes in and says, Greetings, electronics during acolytes. Hello. Uh, I'm sorry if this sounds too mean, but I'm legitimately curious. Why are we all treating this upcoming Avengers game with so much diplomacy? It is the most cynical, uninspired microtransaction factory to come down the pike since the Battlefront <laughs> disaster. Not one second of the trailers or advanced footage looks like it was made by anyone who cares about anything beyond milking gamers like udders. And way too many of us seem okay with that. We don't really have footing to stand on when it comes to this sort of exploitative trash if we're randomly going to line up and buy every third or fourth one just because we recognize some of the characters. Uh... Wow, not a leading question at all. It goes on for a <laughs> no. long time. Uh, which I'm going to say true for this one. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's tough, too far to say the developers don't care. I, hundreds of developers no. care no. deeply and yeah. have been killing themselves to make this game. But I think the core of the question stands, are we all being a little too diplomatic when talking about Avengers at this point? I feel like it was, I mean, I see what they're talking about. And I feel, I feel like we've talked about this, Hanson, of like Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 almost to me being like the, the, the worst offender. I mean, Marvel Avengers also isn't out yet, so it's like hard to say too much about it, but it yeah. is, there is something about these games where people are like, yeah, you know, I'm just looking for something mindless. Like, I don't want to think about it too much. And it's like, but 
you deserve a better game than that if you love these characters. Like, you should be okay to, like, want more from a game starring, you know, these heroes that you adore. You yeah. Know? Everyone can meet the the Spider-Man uh, level of quality. I, I feel like that's a fair expectation. Do you know, know what it's going to be? Because I'm trying to think. I think, like, Greg Miller really loved Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. I'm trying to think of why I had that vibe of people were defending that very mediocre game way too hard on Twitter. It was confusing. Hey, if you had a good time with that game, I don't want to judge you. Yeah. But there was a, no, there was a, love it. Like the amount of love, love was it. weird for that game. But there was, uh, there were just a lot of tweets that were like, yeah, you know, there's a lot, it's really mindless and it's repetitive and it's like a <laughs> list of things I don't like about the game, but <laughs> right. man, I'm, I'm still playing it. It's like, other things <laughs> why don't you just watch trash tv then <laughs> that's right you should buy a samsung tv pop in some hd tv you'll yes. have a great time yes um but i i want to know so badly if avengers will have that same effect and oh, like no. i think it's going to be the greg miller test if he likes marvel's avengers maybe that'll snowball to a lot of people in that same mindset of like you know what it's fun to beat up bad guys with your friends i mean and it's i can't make any assumptions about what people want from a game like maybe all they genuinely want is a game where Captain America is on screen and when you press square, he throws out a fist and that's like, that's good. And that's, <laughs> Make it, it. that makes you happy by all means, it's, you know, like, yeah. Um, enjoy him dying. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, bad example. I mean, yeah. uh, let's try Thor. How about Thor? Yeah. Uh, Alex, by the way, Alex in the backstage pass here in the live version, um, you know, just for this perspective, he says, I played the beta and I really enjoyed my experience. I feel like Great. the internet is just riding the wave of the original demo and is treating it like easy internet points to dunk on it. <laughs> I think that absolutely yeah, I mean, does happen. I think people take that first impression and then, okay, what's the clickbait headline? Okay, talking about Avengers sucks. Okay, let's just do more of that. I think that totally happens. Yeah, I mean, and I, I haven't think, played it, so I don't want to make any assumptions about it. Sorry, yeah. Leo, go ahead. I think a component is that, like, if this game came out as it will be this year, if it came out in t- 2015, how different the response would be. It's just like you, if you make a game that's kind of chasing trends like this, you never know when the tide is going to suddenly turn and you're going to be the first big one where people are like, we don't want this. And even yeah. then, I think it's a big different audience right now talking about it than the audience that is interested in uh, buying it and playing it. <laughs> I mean, I guess they had access to the beta and everything, but as far as like influencers, it doesn't feel like a lot of the same people. So I think this could still come out and be a smash huge success with the general population. Yeah. Uh, I'm hearing a weird echo from you, Lou. I don't know if you changed anything on your end or where it'd be coming from, but anyways, tacti- oh. there we go. Yeah, uh, too. Tactical Dreamer submits a comment saying, what was the first side-scrolling platformer that you had to go from right to left instead of left to right? I, I wrote this down because I knew I was going to forget. <laughs> I remembered mine. I don't think it's the historical first, but it's the first one I saw. Yeah. And it was mind-blowing at the time. And it was an NES game. And it's funny because I went back and I looked at a, like a, a playthrough of it. And uh, it def- it's just the first level. So it's a game called Time Lord for the NES. And the first level, you go right to left. Gross. And it's a really short level. And then the rest of the game, is it seems to be left to right. <laughs> but like playing that first level as a kid, like at a friend's house, I was like, oh my God, they, they've done it. It was like the same experience as the first time I watched Memento. I was like, they've... They've, they've radically changed all of my expectations about what a video game can be. They truly <laughs> are the Time Lords. Exactly. It's weird. I wonder... I'm trying to think now, like, why do we go left to right? And it's like, oh, because of reading. But it's like, well, no. I mean, in Japan, they go right to left. So you yeah. would think more Japanese platformers would be going from the right to the left. I wonder if 
some early ones did and then mario just locked in left to right well pitfall was either could go either way right uh, no pitfall is left to right yeah it, okay it is okay Ooh, yeah. we're down uh jungle hunt though one of my favorite apple II games i believe that's right to left okay so that would be my answer jungle king jungle hunt those old games what is the 3DS NES game that like a bunch of classic Ultimate NES Remix? There we go. Oh yeah. yeah. So Ultimate NES uh, Ultimate NES Remix 2, I believe, has where you can play through the entirety of the original Super Mario Brothers from right to left. Gross. It, it seriously was like it, it it hurt my brain to just watch <laughs> it be played. Like it's insane that 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 it exists. Like, oh god. It's, uh, it's it's way it's it ha, i mean it's like it's probably i'm not a programmer but i imagine it's not that difficult to code that you know yeah. to just like mirror just it but like it, yeah it just broke my brain like it's like, it's like <laughs> I'd this, love is, to no, see this that is bad bed run speed ran what's the past <laughs> tense of speed running <laughs> speed rang yeah uh <laughs> brent johnson says hello everybody hello oh sorry specifically hello ben hansen the clcs that's the camelot loving cohorts we do love Camelot here. Thank you for pointing that out. Golden Sun, very good. Yep. Uh, Brent says, <laughs> very good. Uh, I joined the Patreon just now, right now, because in last week's episode, Kyle made an offhand reference to the 1995 Disney film, A Kid in King Arthur's Court, specifically the scene where the hero blinds a secondary bad guy with the impossibly powerful laser from his portable CD player. I write in because despite that being a childhood staple movie for me, that's quite literally the first time I've ever heard another human being outside of my family acknowledge that movie existing at all. <laughs> it genuinely flabbergasted me to hear a reference to it on a podcast in 2020. Uh, and I can't believe it's something this weird that finally pushed me to sign up and support you guys on Patreon. Uh, thank you, Brent. And thank you, Kyle. Uh, Brent is now a hundred dollar supporter of wall of heroes supporter on patreon so really yeah i don't want to give any ideas brent but if you want to put a uh, kid in king arthur's court in the tv <laughs> that we'll just, scene specifically yeah we'll play the whole film for you brent thank you so much for your support <laughs> it'll probably be fine uh mark right, let me list off another just a bunch of obscure kids movies here uh <laughs> let's see rink <laughs> uh page master don't get oh, me started master. on page master fern gully the Fern Gully 2, probably. I don't know if that actually exists. But. Of course it does. Uh, Mark Seliga, <laughs> speaking of all of heroes, uh, says, as an original producer for G4 back when it launched, I watched a channel be totally mismanaged and run to the ground by executives that had never touched a controller, while the wow. few of us that were gamers were looked at like lunatics when we came up with weird and wacky gamer ideas. Now that G4 is coming back in some form, do you think that television or TV-like formats work for gaming, or should this live with the Twitches and shows like yours? G4 is coming back. Does it matter? It's coming back as a TV station? As a channel? Yeah, have they said? I don't think they said, did they? I hope not. But I mean, I guess the question still remains. If, like, let's assume that's what it is. Like, it is... It is a weird thing. Like, I have a lot of affection for G4 because, like, it was the first time I had seen, like, a game played that I wasn't holding the controller in my hand on, like, TV. Yeah. Which really blew my mind. It also was the first place that I connected a lot of faces to game developers. Like, it was the first time I found out what, maybe even what Miyamoto looked like and what Hideo Kojima looked like. And, like, Jason Rubin, I remember being on, like, TV talking about Jack 2. And, like, it was the first place that I connected people to making video games 
uh, I, I, I like I attribute that to G four, but like in this modern age, like I feel like there's people who do what G four would have done like really well on the internet yeah. already. You know, YouTubers yeah. and Twitch streamers and stuff like that. So I I don't know if there's room for it. I'm I'm really not sure. No, especially if they try and go for more of that antiquated. You know, even if it was putting up in a different era and just the idea of having a crowd in that small room or like any sort of audience for the, any sort of old TV mm-hmm. structure for this thing, it just is going to feel gross and unnecessary. And I think even something yeah. like COVID has shed new light on like the late night talk shows. You know, I've been fascinated by seeing them kind of take it from the DIY perspective. And it's such a fun sliver where they're all just really rustic, you know, Seth Meyers recording shows in his attic, you know, John Oliver. You just realize like, you don't need any of that artifice. This is this is the last week tonight that I want is John Oliver just sitting there. I don't want a stupid audience. No applause breaks. No applause Please. breaks. Yes, it carries forward even to like, you know, presidential debates. Like I am so looking forward to having no audience there. Let's just stick to this thing. Please, let's focus on what's actually happening. Um, yeah, and it's fascinating too seeing people that just cannot handle it. People like, I don't know if you've seen Bill Maher's show, but- they are still cutting in fake laughter to his monologues and cutting to like <laughs> clips from people laughing in the 1930s, like copyright free clips, which is like a f- weird, silly thing to do once. But the fact that we're like months in and <laughs> they still do that, it's unwatchable. It's so terrible. Really? So the point is so not much different from the original show. <laughs> yes, actually, that's a good is point. Is the show still know. on the air or is it just for Bill Maher's benefit? I think it's just <laughs> for Mr. Maher, yeah. Uh, but the yeah. point is, I think just all of that artifice, all that structure is out the window in this era, especially. And so the idea of G4 coming back, if G4 came back and it was just, it's a Twitch channel where Olivia Munn's going to stream some games, that seems like the best case scenario, right? Yeah. I, there's There's rumors that she's Signing up to like kickstart it. Yeah, they're you know? talking to her about it. Yeah, of her coming back in some yeah, way. Yeah, it is. I, I I do have I have fun memories of the channel, but like I don't. It's not. I don't know. It's what, like weird. I, yeah. What audience do you think they're going for though? Because like most, you know, I don't know. I have a sixteen-year-old brother. He only uses his phone to watch stuff. Like even Netflix, he uses like his phone to watch, which is wild because oh, he plays games on the desktop. But like no, like no one who uses TV as their primary way of consuming media is going to want to watch games content. Like, right? Like, I is think, that a safe assumption? I think, well, I mean, there's stuff like, you know, having esports and ESPN and all that stuff, but I think their audience is that revival nostalgia, the, the legacy sequel phenomenon okay. in Hollywood of like, Hey, this old thing's coming back. Please watch it. I mean, it, a little bit of that XFL thing, but more like, hey, Beavis and Butthead's coming back. I think it's going to be that yeah. same vein of okay. hopefully there's enough people that are nostalgic about the concept this, of G4 yeah. that it might give us a little bit of a boost out of the gate. Yeah. Maybe this story is longer than it is interesting, but I yeah. I liked G4 a lot as a kid. Uh, Kevin Pereira came back with a different show called Attack that was a Twitch show that was like two or three times a week. And really? I got weirdly obsessed with it a few years ago. It wasn't especially good, but it was completely fascinating to me. It was basically like a two-hour telethon every episode, where they'd be, like, calling out subs and, you know, trying to get to a certain money goal between, like, scripted, planned content or, like, edited segments that they had put in that was, like, you know, gaming parodies or whatever with a different host that wasn't Kevin Pereira. But it was, like, really above average effort for 
uh, Twitch content. <laughs> and if that's what G4 is when it comes back, is like above average quality uh, streaming channel that's just got a bit more care put into it than just like somebody playing a game and saying thank you for the sub. I might be on board for that. Yeah. Sorry, I'm sorry. Pereira was not on screen? He, he was involved, but he was not the host. Mm. Oh. And they didn't have a studio audience. They just kind of had the crew laughing, which I think Attack of the Show did too. But it yeah. was a weird kind of fun, actually. I, I, that actually always yeah. appealed to me. That sort of we're all hanging out, just trying to make the crew laugh more than we are like an audience. Like know? that. Actually, it was I very scrappy. Like that, yeah. like that horrifying VGAs from what was it 2013 with Sean Murray, where it's just Jeff Keeley and the super awkward Joel McHale room. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Leo, that's what they called it that year. <laughs> <laughs> it was a mouthful, but it worked. Uh, Leo, whatever you did to your mic, it sounds much worse now. Um, but Mark Seligan, oh, thank you for writing in about that. Um, also, Mark Seligan, you're on the wall of heroes, and you never sent us an image. So I just Googled Mark Seligan and put that one on there. So uh, <laughs> please uh, send us uh, your preferred image. It could be of anything from G4, whatever you'd like. Dead Space Trace. Right Sand says, I forced myself to stop playing Destiny 2 after about 400 hours because I realized that I was literally losing sleep from thinking about it constantly. I ignored all other games, only read and listened to Destiny-related content, and nearly let it consume my life. My question is, what game have you quit playing for your own well-being? Certainly some <laughs> mobile games. Yeah. Really? That's oh, gonna, yeah. yeah. That's a good yeah. one. Uh, Ring Adventure is really making me sweat a lot. So yeah, I'm glad you <laughs> kicked that like a nasty habit. God, but that's mobile. Certainly, that's really because there's been so many where I'm just like, wait, what am I doing? And I'll yeah. just like delete it right then and there. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm actually close to deleting an app called Penguin Isle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Um, it's a free to <laughs> it's a free to play game where you build a colony of penguins. Um. And it's just like a a clicker, <laughs> um, and like I've probably checked it like I don't want to say how many times I've checked it today, um, <laughs> but it was like it was this thing where it's like oh this is much better than checking Twitter obsessively, and now it's like oh no like this is this is not good like <laughs> I should just not be constantly on my phone. Um, but then beyond that, I think like in high school, uh, I had to stop playing like RuneScape because I was just like neglecting homework um, and just like grinding in RuneScape. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it seems like Leo, were you into RuneScape? Or are you just a Maple Story Two guy? Why am I connecting mm -hmm. you to that scene? I was into RuneScape. Yeah, there we go. I, uh, Finally found the thing you two I, have in common. Yeah, I cybered. Wait, we had in nothing RuneScape. in common. You what? Cybered. I actually don't know what that means. Oh, Go I ahead, didn't Leo. either when I agreed to it. <laughs> what? <laughs> what is that? What's it's happening? basically you kind of talk and kind of role play out, uh, you know, sex stuff. Oh, I see. I see. Within That's RuneScape, fun. you're saying? Within RuneScape's oh, text weird. client. Oh, did you um <laughs> like go to the square and you're like? Looking for GF, looking for you know, GF. she found me. <laughs> <laughs> That's really beautiful, definitely. Mm -hmm. uh, Leo went to Square when uh, he was playing RuneScape. All right, big old nerd, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, uh, Leo. I saw. Were you? Was this in the stream, the Watch Later stream? I forget where you're talking about um, trying to limit Twitter. Yeah, 
I think I'm I'm with you that it's like it's it's an interesting conundrum, right? Is like I know I don't want to look at Twitter as much, but what is the line where it's no longer beneficial to be playing something else instead if I'm just playing it more? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have found that this game called West Game I've gotten weirdly into. Just like the most trash nonsense mobile ad I got once. It's like <laughs> I'll see what that is. But it's perfect, like play it, check it in the morning when I get out of bed and check it at night instead of Twitter. And it's working pretty great, except I also now check Twitter afterwards. Usually. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. It's true. There's really no shortcut for it. But I do, on uh, my browser, have an add-on that keeps me to 20 minutes of Twitter per day, and then it blocks That's the really site. Good. It's oh, called Leech Block. In, it's really nice. I had that in college. I should just do that again, except my job is social media, so I can't. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, I definitely, it's nice because I have to turn it off quick even when I have a bunch of time left, it's like, who knows when I'll need to use this later today. So mm. I can save my minutes. Mm. Yeah. I've done the exact same thing where, you know, our Better Quest show, my Better Quest goal for last month was to limit social media time on social apps on my phone, even just checking Slack, checking my email, checking the Patreon because it was all day, every day. And eventually I got to the point where there's built-in stuff on the iPhone where you can limit the amount that you're using apps, which is great. So I have all those social apps on like two minutes. But when the time's up, you can say, oh, time's up. Do you want to make an exception, basically? And you can be like, okay, I'll yeah. ignore it for one man- mm-hmm. minute. Or you can remind me in 15 minutes to shut it down again. But I'm pretty good about limiting those. But then uh, Twitter was still a problem on the browser. Like, I still was on that mm-hmm. way too much. So I used one of those plugins too, Leo. And I think I have it down to like six minutes on that timer. Um, wow. But it's it's scary. Like, there's times where it's like, oh, I really wanted to promote or retweet this MinMax thing for my personal account. But I guess I can't. And so I still have like the MinMax Twitter account as a weird exception, but it's so much healthier. I feel like there's not like that personal compulsion to keep checking it because it's not relating to me. It's just people responding and talking to the MinMax account. And so it feels healthier in, in a strange way. Yeah. Yeah. But the nice thing is that browser extension, I forget the name of the one that I found, but it doesn't have that like ignore for one minute thing. It is like hard and fast locking that crap down it's like okay. yeah mine yeah mine pops up twitter is now blocked reason trash that's what i put <laughs> for the reason that's what i have the name of the list <laughs> that's under it's very smart uh fable dursa related question hello four cohorts of the apocalypse which video game have you spent the most money on in game be it a monthly or yearly subscription dlc loot boxes i spent way too much money in rainbow six siege getting all them operator and flashy skins Number one game for Money Sink. Where are y'all at? Definitely Siege. Yeah, every year pass for th- three or four years is already 120 bucks plus 30, 40 bucks buy-in plus all I have like eight elite skins which are 15 bucks a piece. It's uh, astronomical. So what do you think it is? I mean, over 500 bucks? Probably closer to 300 to 400 range. Okay. I think in this era, that's that's not terrible yeah i might be wrong okay <laughs> well then that might be terrible <laughs> I, yeah. I, I buy a lot of games like straight up especially recently like i'll buy a lot of switch games yeah in particular, mm-hmm. but like i really i really don't uh, dlc is about the closest thing i get to like buying yeah. things so but like the one that i would say is maybe pokemon go which is probably like 15 bucks over the course of like three or four years like it was very much just like well i do play this a lot i guess i'll I'll spend a little on it just because it was like it it was it wasn't even out of like I felt like I needed to buy extra materials. It was more like I I should I played this game a lot. I I can stand to give it a little money, but 
I don't know. I just, I, I really don't like spending money on like microtransactions. I really, it, I don't, it, I just don't like it. Like I'll just sooner not play the yeah. game. Yeah. I feel like the moment I've, I've never bought a microtransaction in a game. Cause I feel like it'll wow. just like, you know, open some sort a, of yeah, Pandora's box. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm similar to you, Kyle. I've played, I've like, I bought the breath of the wild DLC and I'm like, all right, total of like $80 for a game that's like for a game that I play a lot that feels yeah. pretty solid to me you know yeah but even I Leo can't. like talking about your thing like I don't that seems fine to me yeah like, you I've probably spent that much on multiple games over the same period of time but if that's the game that you're yeah, focused playing. on like yeah it makes sense you know I don't think it's a crazy thing you know yeah thank you I also probably put $200 in a clash of clans well, well, that was because I was. No, that's that's just no. That, yeah, I just <laughs> don't go too easy on me. That was I was like living at my parents' house, so I had a lot of disposable income, aka income I should have been saving. Uh-huh. But I was, it was people I was working with. We were in a clan together, and there would be these clan battles where I had to be leveled up. And I was like, I this game is not fun to play. I don't want to play it and level up. So it felt smart to spend some of that money. You're I'm not having to play it. To not play a game. Very shrewd. <laughs> yeah. Ian T. Clark asks, I got an email from LinkedIn telling me that I'm being noticed. What should I do? What does that mean? I've never understood what LinkedIn's trying to tell me at any moment. Yeah, you you appeared in this many searches. I'm like, okay, do any of them have job offers? <laughs> what do you want for LinkedIn? I don't know. <laughs> I'm very confused. because ignore it? I get sponsored messages on LinkedIn from Jeff Cork's wife. Somehow, what? I don't under I I don't understand how it happened, but she works for like a university, and she is like the official sponsor messages. So I see what the people are getting in is just a random person, but I'm getting this spam ad thing. It's like, wait, dude, is this actually addressed to me? Because I know you in real life. I'm so confused. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's a mess. Uh, Super Dak wrote in and says, "Hey there, people." What's the most satisfying Nintendo sound effect? I love this question. Okay. Coin There's, pickup, maybe. I mean, that's a classic. The yeah, the gas station cash register would probably agree with you. I think mm-hmm. it's specifically the end of a level in Super Mario World. Just that, like just that little slide whistle esque like warp as the screen's closing. It's a very very good sound effect. Yeah. I mean, there's also, I mean, it also depends on your preference. Like the Zelda, you know, da 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 will always be yeah. fun for me. But yeah, you know. you're right. Have you ever had um, that as your ringtone or anything, Kyle? Uh, I had the Super Mario theme, like when I had a flip phone. Yeah. I, I think I, I think I might have even bought it. But, uh, oh, you know, the other one was I had, I had uh, the, the codec call from Metal Gear Solid as my text message tone. Oh, of course. And then my mom inherited my, that phone and she just never changed it. So, like, <laughs> she was always getting calls from Otacon and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Big mama. <laughs> uh, yeah, I had uh, for years and years on my old phone, my alarm clock was the Hyrule field music. So, that's it, very good. I have yeah. a weird Pavlovian response when I play that game. Um, <laughs> Tyler Carver asks, do you want to play a game? I have a list of games and corresponding worlds or locations associated with them. First person to buzz in with their name and state what game the location is from gets a point. This is very sophisticated. I think we were just talking about this on some stream somewhere. Uh, all right. 
Valley of Bowser. Kyle. Kyle. Mario and Luigi Bowser's Inside Story. I'm very sorry. So wait, so he has a valley inside of his own body? Is that like his butt crack? Well, it's the first level. You're going there. Oh, I see. Uh, That's Super Mario World, ladies and gentlemen. Oh. Okay. Um, Misery Meyer. Leo. Leo. Fortnite. Oh, no. (laughs) Leo, uh, do you have your gamer card on you, man? (laughs) Yeah, sure. Okay. (laughs) Great. You want to rip that up on camera? (laughs) Kyle? Oh, oh, he's doing it. <laughs> Misery Meyer, Kyle. Um uh the 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 publicly the public assigned nickname for a level in Dark Souls. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kyle. You wrote a book on it that's from Link to the Past. Uh, Link to the Past, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Okay, here we go. Columbia. Kyle. Kyle. Bioshock Infinite. Okay, great. Albion. Kyle. Kyle. Fable. Cathedral Ward. Leo. Leo. Some Dark Souls crap. Yep, exactly. <laughs> 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 Correct. Uh, Roseway Gardena. Kyle, we did a deepest dive on this game and we talked a lot about Outer w- World. There we go. Hey. He didn't say his name. Oh. We're sake get used to it. Uh, Bright Falls. Washington. Ooh. Leo? Leo. Life is strange? Oh, incorrect. Kyle, looking at you. Life is normal? Correct! <laughs> Way to go! Uh, no, that was uh, Alan Wake, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That'd be a cool game. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Harvest Moon. Adam Walker writes in and says, Hey, MinMax Community PSA. Community game nights are back after a long hiatus. It returns this weekend, Friday and Saturday night. Halo Combat Evolved is the game we're playing as we prepare for part three of the deepest dive on Halo Combat Evolved. We have members of the MinMax Discord lined up to play on Xbox and PC. If you want to get in on the fun, stop by the community gaming channel in the Patreon-exclusive MinMax Discord. So again, if you support us at any tier, you can get access to that Discord and then play Halo uh, 1 with the community and then you can join us for the deepest dive as well. And uh, I will be playing one of those nights. I'm not sure exactly which one, but I'll be jumping in with the community uh, and playing. This should be a fun time to go back and play some Halo 1 multiplayer. Hell yes. Uh, what do y'all like for question of the week? Uh, I like there was a scale one early on. It was pretty cool. Yeah, the big things in open world. I like that one. I like the I like the games we can't quite remember. Yep. Yeah. I feel like we've yeah. had that before, but it is good. It is good. I mean, plus Leo just like even though it wasn't a, co- a competition. You're right. <laughs> You're all right. Um I like the are we being Answer too nice? <laughs> <laughs> I like that are we being too nice to Avengers even though it's kind of dicky. I like the yeah. side scroller from right to left one. The diversity question was good too. Yeah, was a good a good thinker. Mm-hmm. I like the G four. I think that's an interesting discussion. But yeah, I'm between. I think big thing open world and right to left side scroller. But I'm open to ideas. I've, I'll go scale if we're taking votes. Between yeah, those I'll two. go scale as well. Yeah, yeah. All right, congratulations, Jonathan Fenn. I am 8-Bit, uh, and they're very generous. We'll ship out inside on PS4, limited edition box version. Thank you so much for writing in with a wonderful question, everybody. We appreciate it. And now it's time for something we call Get a Load of This. Kyle Hilliard, wow us, baby. Uh, 
get a load of this. This is a weird one. I don't know if this is interesting. It's very quick, but uh, it was getting shared around on Reddit a little bit. So at night, like when I'm driving, for example, if I'm looking at like, uh, what are those things called? The lamps, you know, uh, street lights? light up the street, the street, street lights. lights? Yeah. When I look at the light, I see it, you know, I see it as a normal light, but then it has like a line. Like, yeah. That's how I see it. Yeah. Do you guys see it that way too? Does yeah. That, does that mean anything to you, Hanson? No, I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. I see it like that. That's because Anna and I have astigmatisms and it's really, we, yeah. Like that's a thing. Like it's one of those things. I just assumed everyone perceived yeah. light that way. But it's, yeah. if you have astigmatism, you see the light, you see like a line going yeah. through the light and it's like, I, I just thought it was like a normal thing, but it's only affects people with astigmatism. What? Wow. Like, wow. What? A it's line like, going through the light. Yeah. It's yeah. just like a line. Yeah. And I'll like, you'll see what I'm talking about. Like, cause someone was able to sort of, uh, make a a picture with it on the yeah. Reddit post that I was looking at, but um, yeah, I had no idea. I just that's one of those things. I just assumed that's, that's awesome. how everyone perceived lights, but it's just it's it's the shape of my eyeball, the shape of our eyeballs, Anna. That, that's beautiful. So there you go. Get a lot of that. Weird. Uh, I love it, <laughs> Anna. I just feel like I learned a lot about myself. Um, <laughs> yeah. Get, get a load of this. Um, so I actually sent this. Um, to Kyle and then I tuned into it so there was like oh, a <laughs> okay so there is um, there is a um, a community that did a uh, live fan dub of Akira the classic and they did like all the action sounds as well oh, wow. um, and there are clips of it on the Twitch like so they did it live and I tuned in for um, part of like the live reading of, <laughs> of the movie um, but then the, like I there are clips of it. So, and there's like a little teaser trailer um, and it is incredibly good. Like it's very funny. Um, there's no way you watch the whole, like two. No, movie well, I watched, I watched a decent amount of it. Like, but okay, I was, just, all right. I was just like chilling out. People, the chat was really fun. <laughs> I mean, it's like a people making like motorcycle noises and stuff. Oh, right? that's awesome. Yeah, the helicopter. I'll send the helicopter clip is very good. <laughs> Are they doing oh, the music I too? Hmm? Or do they do the music too? Mm-mm. Okay. No, they don't do the you know like the creepy dun 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 dun. They yeah. don't do that. Okay. A lot of the music gets vocalized, but that helicopter scene, I want to go look that up actually because the way that scene works in the movie is everything goes silent. Yeah. And then the helicopter breaks the silence. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like the perfect timestamp. Yeah. Oh man, that's, oh, that's crazy. I gotta, I gotta go watch that. <laughs> Leo, it, it is good. Get a load of this. People are playing drone tag in the new Rainbow Six Siege update. So this is something they've added called Ping 2.0. You can ping from drones now. You know, you make a little marker for your team to see. And with Ping 2.0, it now identifies what you're pinging. If you ping a gadget or something, it'll show here's where the barbed wire is. But it also, if you ping a teammate's drone, it'll uh, make a little drone icon that everybody on the team can see. So now in the prep phase, where there's 45 seconds of droning, where sometimes there's not much to do, People on friendly teams, I saw it in a Macy J tweet, are just hopping around trying to ping each other and then run away and not get pinged. <laughs> you can only ping once every couple seconds, so you got to get it like right on the money to make the drone icon pop up. Oh, that's, that's great. Fun. That's a fun idea. Hey, you know, that game is good. Still coming up with fun ways to have fun in there, huh? Eh. All right, great. <laughs> uh, hey, get a load of this. Did you guys know that there's a sequel to Goodfellas? <laughs> yeah, I- uh... Kind of blue heaven. My blue heaven, Kyle. Way to yeah. go! So and I knew about it before blank check. Yes, I heard about this on the blank check podcast. <laughs> I watched it, dear yeah. friends. Of the show. You watched it? 
Years ago, yeah. Oh my God, I'd never heard of this. It's a 1990 film that came out one month before Goodfellas was released, but it's written by Nora Ephron, who was married to the writer of the book Wise Guys, the real story that Goodfellas was based on. And so Nora Ephron, the writer's wife, wrote this movie that takes place after Goodfellas, where it's the story of Henry Hill in Witness Protection. Um, But... Henry Hill, they changed his name in this version, and he's played by Steve Martin. Uh, it looks like one of the most insufferable performances I've ever seen. It is the most obnoxious, horrific. And look, I love Steve Martin, but seeing this clip was horrifying just in the trailer. He swings big sometimes. You Boy, know? <laughs> does it. And it's so funny to think like, oh, this is, okay, this is still Henry Hill from Goodfellas. If you really think about it, it is still his story just with different adaptations. His hair. And his hair. Absolutely. Um, and the horrifying thing is everybody says this movie is garbage, yet it's at 71% on Rotten Tomatoes. So, I don't know what to believe anymore. I think there might be a little bit of mob money going into this sucker. <laughs> uh we have a get a load of this channel in the Discord, uh, and Shazira submitted one, um, an article from Nintendo Life with the headline, at one point, the Triforce may have been collectible in Zelda Ocarina of Time. Uh, apparently, oh. during development, the A and B buttons seem to have had the opposite role. Some of the code still reflects this. Uh, the icons for six medallions here are internally named H24 seal one through six, but sitting left over in other folders, another image H32 seal seven, open it up and you get a Triforce that fits perfectly on the quest status screen. So people are still mining stuff out of that gig league from Nintendo. And what an interesting little detail I there. Mean, cool. I mean, it is like rendered in the game as 3d objects. Not that it's like a complicated, you know, thing to create. It's, it's yeah. probably a, a default template you know, right a triangle 3d shape but like you know they yeah that's interesting yeah i wonder what that would have been exactly yeah. bob buell in our live chat says you can see it in the original trailer too hmm. really? oh interesting well there we go a fun ocarina of themed uh ocarina of time themed episode of the minmax show this week um thanks to everybody that is watching us right now in the backstage pass thanks to everybody in there thanks to our 50 supporters thanks to everybody that supports us in any tier um before we run down the 50 supporters um anything y'all would like to plug kyle you got anything you want to plug uh no i mean there's always my gaming ride home podcast but not much else that sounds my twitch channel yeah <laughs> just know. sound confident and plug something for the love of god <laughs> follow me on twitch at kyle, kyle impersonator there we go yeah, uh, I'm still to, to, to like plug because I, I you know everyone's so lovely in this community that i think they already know all my okay, stuff just, you know? but just, maybe i shouldn't assume that yeah just stand up and be confident uh anna uh would you like to stand up and be confident about something yeah, follow me on Twitter um, for dank memes at Pocachi. <laughs> there we go, Pocachi. Uh, Leo, what would you like to plug, man? Check out YouTube.com slash Leo Vader. I got new video essays going up every other week. Follow me on Twitch at Twitch.tv slash LeoVader.com, D-O-T-C-O-M. We're doing a huge giveaway. <laughs> 200 new followers get $200 cash. Is that real? No. <laughs> Hopefully they've already followed between. But ben and honestly, now. it's so exciting when new videos go up in your YouTube channel, Leo. Like I drop everything, man. They're so good. Thank You're you. making the rest of YouTube look bad, frankly. You're very sweet. Yeah, how's been that? How's been that experience so far for you? 
Uh, any it's is been it great about what you expected? Uh, more popular, less popular, different audience. What do you think? About what I expected as far as popularity. Like I'm just trying to build a library right now of like similar enough stuff that you know what you're getting when yeah. you click into the channel, but also different enough that it's still fun for me to work on and surprising for people to watch, hopefully. Yeah, without spoiling anything, that last video took a wonderful detour and I just kept thinking like, God, Leo's really swinging for it. Like this this is a lot of work to put this thing together. It's such a different <laughs> format for this style of video. Yes, more work than I expected. Yeah, God. So Certainly. yeah, just in case you're confused, yeah, Leo, every week that he's not doing a watch later for MinMax, he does one, has a video essay on his personal channel uh, that is about stuff largely outside of gaming, but all in, uh, what's, how do you, what's the framework? What's the umbrella here, Leo? Yeah, they're video essays about everything that's not gaming. You know? <laughs> culture or life or whatever. Criticism kind of, yeah. Yeah, so check it out there. And thank you to everybody at the $50 tier for supporting us. Captain Subs 1, The Bam Box, I'm 8-Bit, Joar Hello, Mirko Rico Toreno, Time Bomb Tom, Tyler Carver, Zachary Pluggy. Hang on. <clears throat> Leo, this is Zachary Pluggy, the person that I might know the best out of this batch. Can you say the name so I won't blow it? Okay, from the top, one more time. Ready? Captain Subs 1, The Bam Box, I'm 8-Bit, Joar Hello, Mirko Rico Toreno, Time Bomb Tom, Tyler Carver, Zachary Pluggy, Beaten Down Brian, Rebecca Lang, Zachary Pliggy, <laughs> Brian with a Y, Mark Saliga, Andrew Valla, Ludwig Roque, Jesse Vitelli, Brett Hunter, Zachary Pliggy, Thomas Hoster, Snake24, Yaro, Rob Hudak, William Garcia, Tom Blackburn, Spiral in Your Eyes, Scott Castro, Thomas Hankins, Richard Smuts, JT Fell, Spider Dan, Paul Arias, Andrew Sanford, Chris, Steve Bamdad, Matthew Paxson, Camera Wardlaw, and Zachary Pliggy. Thanks so much for watching and listening, everybody. Be good, have fun, let's go! Let's go!